Buckinghamshire is expected to be among one of 14 NHS trusts criticised for poor care and medical errors in a report published later today. The report was undertaken in the wake of the Mid-Staffordshire Hospital scandal and targeted trusts with unusually high death rates. The government's planning to send specialist teams into the 10 worst-performing hospitals. Milton Keynes police are appealing for witnesses after a man asked a 10-year-old boy to get into his car. The incident happened in Stacey Bushes at around 8.30 yesterday morning. The vehicle in question was a silver Vauxhall which was parked nearby. The man is described as white in his late 20s to early 30s and is thought to be around 6 feet tall with green eyes and messy short brown hair. The owners of a Bedfordshire care home say they are devastated by a decision to close it down by Friday. The Meppershaw care home's 70 elderly residents, many of whom have dementia, will have to be rehomed after the Care Quality Commission removed the facility's right to operate. In a statement, GA Projects Limited admit to areas of poor care highlighted by the CQC, but say they should have been given more time to turn things around. The energy firm NPower says household bills are likely to rise by £100 a year more than government predictions. It says official estimates of future energy savings are too optimistic and warns that the average bill will rise by £240 a year by 2020. In sport, England's women footballers narrowly avoided exit from the European Championships with a one-all draw against Russia in Sweden last night. They must now beat France in their final group game to stand any chance of qualifying for the latter stages. The weather very warm with plenty of sunshine and a top temperature of 29 degrees Celsius, that's 84 degrees Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Are you going anywhere nice for your holidays, Catherine? No, I've already been, so I'm stuck. This is, now you see, this is the thing. The the people who have their holidays early on in the summer, I'm getting on my holiday before (laughs) everybody else. Yeah, well that means that when we go on our holiday later, you are jealous. I'm not going on a holiday for another four weeks. Oh, but you've got that look to look forward to. I've got that look to look forward to, you're correct. (laughs) That holiday look. Yeah, and I'm going to be away for two weeks. Oh, good for you. And I'm going to travel on an aeroplane. There's a survey out today that that says the most irritating thing on aeroplanes is kids kicking the back of seats and kids crying. I don't buy the kids crying thing. I never have done. And now I'm a parent. I certainly don't. No. It's a relief when they cry because it's not yours. Exactly. Kids going to cry. Kids going to cry. I don't care. I don't mind at all. But Catherine, what annoys you on an aeroplane? People who don't do as they're told. Really? Yeah. So it's not the um, lack of oxygen on the ground of aeroplanes. <laughs> That's all encompassing. But well, right. Explain, explain, for those who don't know what we're talking about, Catherine, explain what you said this morning. A woman on my recent flight to Georgia um, refused to do as she was told repeatedly, and it culminated in her putting her baby on the floor to sleep in this sort of carry cot thing. And she was told, please pick that, pick that baby up, madam. The air is thinner on the floor, and you're putting your baby in danger. <laughs> you said there was no oxygen on the floor of aeroplanes... <laughs> And you believed it. That is complete nonsense. There is equal oxygen all through an aeroplane. Well, why do you think they were saying to move the baby then? Because she was making a mess? Just because she was... You don't want a baby on the floor. Or, or do you think she was just winding them up and they thought, let's just be strict with her? We're going to put this out to... Can we get... Uh, Kelly, Kelly Betts, can we get today on the show an, aer- an aviation expert today to find out the simple question, and any listeners who can answer this, is there less oxygen on the ground of an aeroplane than there is on there the must top be, of... right? Because you wouldn't sleep in an aeroplane chair if you could help it, could you? Would you? We'd all be sleeping on the floor. That makes literally no <laughs> sense whatsoever. <laughs> if you're an aeroplane fanatic, and there are some out there, is that true? We're, we're all laughing at Catherine. Uh, I mean, it was, it was quite horrible. We stood her in... We were in a circle and we stood her in the middle and just pointed and laughed. But perhaps she's got it right. There's no oxygen on the the floor of an aeroplane. That can't be true. 
Is oxygen lighter than, well, air? I don't know. We'll get, we'll get an aviation expert on at some point this morning. 08459 455 555. Other, perhaps slightly more uh, serious things to discuss this morning. We'll be speaking to the acting chief executive of Bedford Hospital to hear why they're reducing children's services and we'll be sending patients elsewhere instead. And another story that um, we broke on the show yesterday, there'll be more fallout from the decision to close a care home in Bedfordshire. 70 residents now have to find somewhere else to stay by Friday. And what irritates you on aeroplanes? Uh, Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or you can give me a phone call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. The majority of services at Bedford Hospital's paediatric unit are set to close following a decision to remove trainee doctors from the unit by the end of the month. You may remember, if you were listening yesterday, we were outside Bedford Hospital trying to find out what was coming, uh, what was going to be happening. Stephen Conroy, the uh, acting chief executive, came out and said, well, I'll be making a statement, but I can't tell you now. Does this mean things are closing? I'll be making a statement. He made a statement, and that means uh, that things are closing. The hospital say that in the short term, there will no longer be a children's A&E, overnight care on the Riverbank Ward, or a children's assessment unit. Children will be sent to neighbouring hospitals like Milton Keynes instead. Well, our reporter, Paul Scoynes, has been following this story. What's happened in the last 24 hours, Paul? Uh, Well, Ian, any child sort of supposed to have an operation at the hospital will now be treated by their Bedford consultant at Milton Keynes Hospital, and any children's emergencies should go to another hospital. It's a complete change of of what was going on at uh, Bedford Mm. Hospital. Managers have described this as an interim measure. Now, the Trust says it will continue to provide children's outpatient service, nurse led ambulatory uh, care for children with chronic or long-term conditions and they'll also still provide a day unit on the riverbank ward as well they have said as well that maternity services and neonatal services are unaffected and continue to run as normal as do all the other services at bedford hospital including adult a and e now the mayor of bedford dave hodgson says he's worried about the unit's future every statement we've had so far is wait for a further statement you know, where's the clarity, where's the openings, where's the transparency? If they're having problems, let us know what the problems are so we're aware of those. If you've got children, it's worrying for me as mayor, it's worrying for the citizens, but if you've got children that are actually uh, having care or going to have care, it must be a, a horrible time. It's uh, something that we've been looking at for a couple of weeks mm. now since we started getting some documents leaked to us. Um, uh, the Conservative MP, Richard Fuller, has said there's no reason that that sort of system that, that Dave Hodgson was talking about can't work. It seems to me to be important that we have a plan that brings back the services that are currently going away to Bedford Hospital. And I think we should take some comfort in what you said, that Bedford is a large area, it has a lot of satellite areas around it, and working in partnership with another hospital, there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to provide long-term the same services that were there ahead of the deanery making its decision. Now, we've been talking about this for a while, but just remind listeners why this has happened. Okay, well, the East of England School of Paediatrics said when trainees raised concerns about problems with them not being supervised properly, they were made to feel that they were at fault and also to blame for the difficulties that the unit now has. Uh, And therefore, many left. And they actually said yesterday to us that it was very difficult to recruit new staff. That's what uh, Mm. what the chief executive told you, Ian. Um, They also also recommended uh, the, the trainees that is they recommended changes there as far back as 2004 and they said since then there'd been no 
quote, sustained improvement. Um, the letter from them also points to one incident uh, when a recent consultant was asked to respond to a complicated child he was fitting um, and it took four attempts to get a response from them on the bleep uh, on the pages and the school of paediatrics said this isn't acceptable and uh, it decided for the you know i suppose reputation of its trainee doctors to remove them from the uh, unit at the end of this month what have the hospital said about that well they said that all staff regardless of their role should have uh, confidence in raising concerns about potential risk to patient safety and they will be supported in doing so however the trust has asked for an independent expert to investigate this incident in which a child died and they uh, they're also in contact with the family concerned and they said the fitting the fitting child is is separate from the child that died just to clarify that that. yeah no the i mean the 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 child that died was was a complicated issue and it Mm. involved a number of hospitals as well i should add um uh, so they can't disclose any more information no, about that at the moment. Um, and the trust has investigated two other incidents raised by junior doctors through its internal processes as well. Now, the chief executive at the hospital yesterday told you, when pushed, uh, that one consultant had failed to respond to that urgent call-out and despite no harm coming to the patient, it raised concerns about patient safety. It's a level of unacceptable risk that we can't stand. We, we have since... So the patient was at risk? The, the patient could have been at risk. Uh, the consultant did respond uh, later, but they didn't respond within the required time. Why did they not respond within the required time? Um, that's something we're going to investigate. We, we've had to take uh, uh, you know, immediate action with that consultant. Uh, I can't say more than that, that because it's now a HR investigation. Will they be suspended? Um, they have been excluded. So, so a, a senior consultant has been suspended because they, they failed to answer a call? That's right. But they've, obviously we have to go through a process, suspensions and neutralise. Well, that was the acting chief exec, Stephen Conroy, on yesterday's show. Now, they say the maternity unit isn't affected, but you kind of have to wonder, if they're removing so many of the paediatric services, is there a future for the maternity unit? Well, that's something that the uh, clinical commissioning group have, have wondered as well. They've said uh, that even maintaining the neonatal unit at Bedford relies on using these sort of bought-in locum uh, doctors who, uh, you know, uh, uh, we compared them probably unfavourably to sort of agency staff in that they're available. You know, they can go to place to place, yes. like supply teachers, you said. Um, now, you know, they've, they've not sort of been particularly confident about how long that process can continue, you know, to fund those locum doctors. And because of that, the uh, Bedfordshire Clinical Commissioning Group is, is developing a, an incident plan should that service fail and maternity services have to move from another site. And you put this to Stephen Conroy yesterday today at the hospital and here's a reminder of what he said i'm saying we can't run the service the way we're running it now with seven fewer doctors with the number of doctors leaving we have to make some changes from the end of july mp richard fuller says that unit must stay open it it must stay open i am not responsible for the long-term future of services commissioners commission services my job is to provide safe services i'm gonna ask you one more time the implication i've picked up from this and i'm sure that many of the listeners will picked up you are going to close that pediatric unit at the end of july is that correct we're going to make change. There'll be fewer services on this site from the end of July, and I'll come back and explain those fully uh, tomorrow if you want. Well, you had him promised to speak to you tomorrow. That's today, and he's booked to come on this programme after 8 o'clock. OK, well, let's see what happens. What effect is this going to have on Milton Keynes Hospital? Well, it's, I mean, as we saw from that letter, it's already felt that some of the units are at uh, breaking point there already. And the Care Quality Commission inspected two wards there in August last year and found issues in some areas of care standards, including staffing levels and also meeting patients' individual needs. 
At that time, they said that they were sorry that the inspector's findings didn't meet the high standards and that our patients deserve, and, and that they have since put in place an action plan, another one of those, to make sure improvements are made when necessary. But it does raise the question, I suppose, can Milton Keynes cope with more people who would have gone to Bedford? And speaking of the CQC, I was told yesterday the CQC had been back in to Bedford last mm. week in, as, a, as a prompting uh, of, of this whole story. So uh, really interesting times, and we will wait with interest to see what Mr Conroy says after 8. After 8 o'clock, Paul Scoynes, thank you very much. I wait 459 455 555. need to laugh and when the sun is out I've got something I can laugh about I feel good in a special way I'm in love and it's a sunny day Good day sunshine Good day sunshine Good day sunshine We take a walk the sun is shining down Burns my feet as they touch the ground Good day sunshine Good day sunshine Good day sunshine Then we lie Beneath the shady tree I love her and she's loving me She feels good She knows she's looking fine I'm so proud to know that she is mine Good day sunshine Good day sunshine Good day sunshine Good day sunshine Love this song. Oh, I'm going to listen to Revolver today. Yes, it's a Revolver day. Not like that. I mean, in the record. Oh, for goodness sakes. Morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 455 555. What annoys you on aeroplanes? It can't be the crying children. For goodness sakes, they're going on their holidays. Mine is the slight, sometimes, sometimes, the air cabin crew, the stewardesses, can be a little bit grumpy, can't they? Just sometimes. Travel news now, 616. Here's Adam. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. All looking nice and quiet out there. No delays on the M25 through the roadworks. All fine on the M1. The A1M looking clear on the cameras as you make your way past Hatfield through the tunnel. And everything looking pretty good on the M40. Of course, yesterday morning it was quite busy after an accident, but today nothing much going on. It's all looking pretty clear on the trains across the three counties as well. However, a bit of disruption already today for the tubes. The Piccadilly line is suspended southbound from Arnest Grove down to King's Cross and Pancras. They're doing emergency engineering works at Finsbury Park. Your tickets will be taken on Greater Anglia services as well as First Capital Connect services. And then, again, if you're heading in toward London, the Victoria Line tube has been suspended southbound from Seven Sisters to King's Cross and Pancras. Again, because of these emergency works at Finsbury Park. But... 
Again, your tickets will be taken on Greater Anglia and First Capital Connect services if that's any help to you. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. Right, 6.17. It is uh, Tuesday the 16th of July. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Police are still looking for the escaped prisoner, Ian McLaughlin, in connection with Saturday's fatal stabbing in Hertfordshire. The Conservative MP for Bedford, Richard Fuller, is backing changes to children's services at the town's hospital as long as they are only temporary. In sport, Barcelona are considering a £25 million offer from Manchester United for midfielder Cesc Fabregas. <laughs> £25 million? That's mental! Coming up, we'll have uh, more on the closure of Mepishaw Care Home and what annoys you on aeroplanes. BBC Three Counties Radio. Very, very quickly, we, uh, you may have heard at the top of the show um, Catherine Boyle, the uh, esteemed newsreader here at BBC Three Counties Radio. One of one of the many newsreaders. I would say she's definitely in the top five newsreaders. Definitely top ten. I think we can all agree on that. T- newsreaders here at BBC Three Counties Radio. She came up with some complete nonsense that uh, there is no oxygen on the floor of an aeroplane. That can't be true. Well, Justin Dealey joins me now. Morning, Justin. Yes, hello, Ian. I'm live at Luton Airport. We're going to try and get an answer on this straight away for you. With me now is Peter Thompson. Peter, you worked at British Aerospace for 31 years. Is it true there's no oxygen on the floor of an aeroplane, or is that absolute nonsense? I'd say it's absolute nonsense. I'm not a systems engineer, but... Uh, I can see no logical reason for it. If the cabin pressurisation is doing its uh, system is doing its job properly, that should certainly not be the case. It may very well be warmer uh, under the ceiling of, of the cabin than it is on the floor because hot air rises. But pressurisation-wise, there shouldn't be any difference. There shouldn't be any difference in the oxygen levels, in my opinion. But uh, I'd welcome comment from a, an aerospace systems engineer who specialises on on uh, commercial airliners. There you go, Ian. Job done. It's absolute nonsense. And Peter wearing a lovely check shirt like you this morning. Well, you Justin, if you, if you do come across an aerospace uh, industrial engineer, then please <laughs> ask him that question. But thank your guests very much, Justin. We, we have shamed Catherine Boyle, mm. and I'm expecting, after 6.30, an on, uh, a full on-air apology from her. Oh, absolutely. Justin, thank you very much. You see, we could only do that because of the unique way that Justin Dealey is funded. <laughs> Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five.
Now, I'm programmed not to like Oli Murs, but I quite like that song. It's a very catchy chorus, isn't it? You can imagine him in being, in being in like a love army and marching and saluting love. That's what he's singing about, isn't he? Just imagine him in a, in a soldier's uniform saluting uh, love and march, marching. Doesn't make any sense at all, does it? Now I'm analysing it. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, this is something we uh, talked about yesterday and we spoke about last week as well. This week, the families of residents at Bedfordshire's Meppershaw Care Home are in the process of trying to find their loved ones new places to live. It follows the decision by the Care Quality Commission to close the home because of poor standards of care. A story that we broke on the show yesterday. Well, yesterday, our reporter Barry Caffrey met up with Beryl Telford outside the care home. Beryl was waiting for an ambulance to come along to transfer her husband, a resident who has Alzheimer's, to a new care home. I have just walked out and there were two ambulances there. About six ambulance staff because they're obviously trying to handle people that have got severe problems. Uh, The occupational therapists are speaking to everybody, explaining what will happen, perhaps things they've uncovered in the chats with them over the last three days of ongoing treatment that they may need, that they may not have been getting at Mepishal. It's just a minefield of people doing what they can to try to make the move go as smoothly as possible. But I think that in itself is impossible. How does this morning inside Meppershill Care Home compare with any other Monday morning in terms of who's there and what's going on and what sort of action is taking place? It's very, very different because normally when you go in, the relatives are just there to visit. The residents are all sitting in the lounge, in their chairs either fast asleep or just sitting staring into space. The carers are there seeing to any needs. People are bringing them drinks. But this morning, wow, you can hardly move because there's people all over the place. And that must be very disruptive to the carers that are there this morning. But it has to be done, I do understand. Social workers have to be there. Occupational therapists have to be there. Now we've got the ambulance people in and out. Um, And that's just how it is. Very sadly. Very sadly. I'm just looking forward now to moving on. A new start. And hopefully things will be better. Well, that was Beryl Telford speaking to our reporter Barry Caffrey outside Meppershaw Care Home yesterday before her husband moved. We'll be speaking to Beryl after eight o'clock to find out how that move went. Well, joining me now is Sarah Osborne, who had worked at the home for 18 years. Morning, Sarah. Good morning. When did you find out that you'd lost your job? Um, well, actually, I found out on um, Sunday um, through um, somebody else that works at the home. Um, uh, the news coming out from the home was that as from Friday of this week, we will no longer have jobs. Um, so nothing from the management um like, well, to myself, nothing from the management has, has actually come through um, to the fact of that. But that's what we've been told. Uh, now, obviously, the, the care home uh, failed, did quite badly on the uh, Care Quality Commission report. Yeah. Do you think that th- th- it was a right decision to force the care home to close or could improvements have been made? 
Well, um, I can only talk from where I worked, which is the nursing home side, not Lavender House. Yep. Um, and we um, were told that um, they were going to put in some um, help for us to get things um, going, as to bring things back up to um, a standard um, which they felt was of a good standard. What do you think went wrong, Sarah? Um, well, um, I, I really don't know. From, from that, I can I can say that they didn't put anybody in. Um, there's been nobody in for the staff, which they said there's going to be an HR team in to support the staff. I'm agreeing what I've just heard from the last lady, Beryl. Yesterday morning when I walked into the home, it was absolutely pandemonium. There was, um, there was just people everywhere. Um, there was also staff that they brought in to, like, carers and nurses, who obviously don't know the residents. Um, plus, there was our carers as well. And nobody really knew what, what they should be doing because obviously um, our carers didn't know if they should be taking charge or whether the new carers should be taking charge. Um, and um, it, the, the residents were in tears. I, I, I mean, constantly walked around yesterday. It, I was crying, they were crying, and trying to just reassure them that things would be sorted. You know, everybody would get a new lovely home and to try not to worry but on the same aspect you know obviously we're worried ourselves um it's just so very very sad and i'm assuming because it's happened so quickly you haven't got any work lined up do you think you'll be able to get another job well i i think i'm going to find it difficult because um not only have i been there a long time I have a couple of medical issues as well, um, and I don't drive. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm going to find it really hard. Sarah, thank you very much for joining us this morning, and, and best of luck with that. That's uh, Sarah Osborne, who worked at the Mepeshaw Care Home for 18 years. In a statement, GA Projects Limited, who ran the care home, said they were devastated by the decision by the CQC to enforce its closure. It added that while they acknowledged there were poor standards of care, they believe they should have been given the opportunity to correct these deficiencies. I would raise the point, well, how did you let it slip into poor standards of care? We'll be speaking to Beryl after eight o'clock. She's uh, the lady you heard a little bit earlier on, whose husband was moved yesterday. We'll see how that move went, and hopefully it wasn't too traumatic. 6.30, here's the uh, travel news now with Adam Glynn. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Everything moving quite well on the major routes across the three counties. No delays yet on any of the motorways. Things could slow up in Buckingham. They're doing roadworks on the A413 still. Temporary lights up for water main work at the junction with London Road and the A421 at the total roundabout. New Bedford Road in Luton. This is the A6 and you'll find electricity work at the Stockingstone Road junction. And a reminder of the long-term works over this summer now in Dunstable. Pointers Road will be shut off from the A505 through to the Woodside Industrial Estate right the way through until mid-September because of major improvement works. The diversion takes you down the A505, Boscombe Road and Ports Avenue. Trains running to time. Problems, though, for the Tube. The Piccadilly line has severe delays after the emergency engineering work at Finsbury Park earlier this morning. They've managed to finish off the work. 
but uh, the delays remain. Tickets will be taken on Greater Anglia and First Capital Connect. Exactly the same for the Victoria line. It's running with severe delays for the same reason. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. Let's get the latest news, sport and apologies from Catherine Boyle. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's 6.30. Police are still looking for the escaped prisoner Ian McLaughlin in connection with Saturday's fatal stabbing in Hertfordshire. The Conservative MP for Bedford, Richard Fuller, is backing changes to children's services at the town's hospital as long as they're only temporary. And Buckinghamshire is expected to be among one of 14 uh, NHS trusts criticised for poor care and medical errors in a report published later today. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Italian police have raided the hotel of Jamaican sprinters Asafa Powell and Sharon Simpson after both tested positive for a banned stimulant. It was announced yesterday the pair had both used the same stimulant, while American Tyson Gay was also found to have used drugs. Meanwhile, the Bedford athlete Nigel Levine says it may be too early for him to compete against the world's best 400-metre runners for now. Levine qualified for the World Championships in Moscow next month after achieving a qualifying time at the British Championships on Sunday. He won the race but says he needs to be realistic about his international. Form. I'm going to be very realistic to myself and not be negative, but it's not going to happen this year. Mm. I'm not. I'm not on that level yet, but hopefully, I can give the number one guys a very good race. In football, England women narrowly avoided exit from the European Championships with a one-all draw against Russia in Sweden. They must now beat France in their final group game to stand any chance of qualifying for the latter stages. And there are more local friendly matches tonight. MK Dons are away to Brackley. Stevenage hosts QPR. Wickham are at Staines and Luton travel to Hitchin. And that's your latest news and sport. I'll be back with more at seven. Go on. No. Go on. I'm reporting what I heard. Uh, Oh, hang on a second. If we reported everything we heard... Well, you the, the kind of nonsense. Well, actually, we do. Well, I'll be telling you the truth. Yeah. So what? I was sitting in the the no, uh, behind this woman who I, repeatedly failed to do what she was I told. D- I don't. Want, and then I don't. Oh. The air host steward bloke told her that if she didn't take the baby off the floor, it was very dangerous for the baby yes. because the he said uh, the air was thinner. No. Can what? I just refer you to a document I found online? <laughs> so you really are clutching at straws. Go on then. This is from Virgin. I wasn't travelling with Virgin, but yep. Virgin say it too. For your baby's safety, we don't allow them to be placed on the cabin floor. Well, that's so that people don't trip over. Them. Now, well, is it though? You, you're yes, making assumptions there. It is. Now, what you said to Paul Scoynes and I'm, I've got another two and a half hours, baby. I can follow this all the <laughs> way through to nine o'clock. You said in the office that on the floor of aeroplanes there is no oxygen. They said the air was thinner. You That's said, what they you said. said Apologise. <laughs> oh, you did. Why would I say it? Because you're a I have Muppet. no interest in aviation. Apologise. Are you going? Are you walking out? No. Good. Apologise. Um, what for? Oh. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Not happy. If we reported everything we heard, well, the drivel that would come out of our mouths. OK, occasionally we do do that at the BBC. All right, there have been one or two incidences in the last few months when that's happened. But generally... Uh, The reason we're talking about aeroplanes is because there's a survey out. It says the most irritating thing on uh, an aeroplane during a flight is um, kids kicking the back seat. Anyone kicking the back seat is irritating. Kids, I can kind of think, I can tolerate it a bit. Anybody doing it. Kids crying comes in at second. I I don't buy that. I've never bought that, even before I had kids. Kids crying. I, 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 I Am I the only person that thinks, oh dear, well that's a shame. They're having a horrible flight. 
Am I the only person that thinks that? What annoys me, rude cabin crew, uh, and when the person in the front has got their seat down while I'm trying to have my, my lunch on an aeroplane. When I go on an aeroplane, I'm a vegetarian, okay? If I go with BA or some of the other things, what vegetarian meal do I book? They don't just have... When you, you, you pre-book the meal, they don't just have vegetarian. They have vegetarian Hindi, vegetarian um, um, uh, kosher, vegan, lactose intolerant. They don't... Oh, wait, 459, 455, 555. I, I feel I may be going off on lots of tangents. Justin Dealey. <laughs> yes, sir. What irritates you? You were on holiday recently. Was there yeah. anything irritating on your flight? Uh, lack of space. Yeah. Uh, with these bad boy legs of mine, mm. and uh, you're quite tall as well, yep. um, just a lack of space. I don't really understand and, and what, why people get annoyed about children, because children, if they're on flights, you know, it's hard enough for the well. parents already, and just let children be children. I Come believe on. children are our future. Where do you, you say lack of room for your legs? Where do you put your ego? Do you put that in the hand <laughs> luggage? Does that go in the hold? What, where does that go, Justin? Well, where do you put yours? Because yours is slightly inflated. Yeah, that's, one, that's great. Batting it straight yeah. back at me. Yeah. I have got an answer. Yeah. Yeah. So, you've been out and about asking people... <laughs> it's feisty today, isn't it? Mm. You've been out and about asking people uh, what irritates them on, on planes. What have they had to say? Absolutely. I'm uh, live at Luton Airport. Um, I've been speaking to some of the passengers, and uh, this is what happens. Well, here's Ivan. Off to Poland today. What annoys you about flying, then, Ivan? It's people reclining their seats on just short-haul flights for just two hours. Uh, reclining them fully back right in front of you when there's just no need for it on a on a two-hour flight. You see, I'll take your point. So have you ever stepped in and said, look, come on, for goodness sake, it's a short-haul flight, we haven't got a lot of space anyway, can you just please put that seat back up? Yes, I have, on, yeah. on a few occasions. Have you been abused? Uh, no, no. <laughs> sometimes, I haven't done it. Sometimes just ignored. Yeah. Uh, have a safe flight today. OK, thank you. Thank you very much. It's, um, yeah, good point about short-haul flights. Madam, you're off to Spain today with the family, even hotter than the UK, I'm told. Yes, yeah. I am. So, Looking forward to it. Absolutely. So what annoys you about flying? Um, I would say um, when the children may be kicking you at the back of your seats um, or a baby just crying all the time when you're just trying to relax and take it easy or even just cramped seats. There's everything about it. Sometimes yeah. it's not great. Unless you're going to upgrade and pay for first class, maybe business class, it's generally not a, much of a pleasurable experience. You just go through it because you've got to to get to your destination. And uh, just one final point. You've got your child with you today. How old's your child? She's 22 months. So is she not going to cry on this flight? You mentioned about children crying. Uh -huh. Is she not going to cry on this flight today then? Even if she did, it would be for seconds because I would quickly comfort her because I wouldn't want all, all the other passengers to be just going out of their mind thinking, why is that child just crying and crying and crying? She says she'd do it in seconds. She was just making quite a bit of noise there, wasn't she? Yes, for the sake of it. definitely. She was making a lot of noise, but she made the point at the end there that some parents that simply don't care You're when right. their child starts crying on a flight that they let them carry on when it comes to her child. If she is going to be crying, she would certainly stop her within seconds. Justin Dealey, excellent stuff. Where are you off to this morning? Going to be going back to uh, Bedford Hospital, where we were yesterday. We've got the uh, acting chief exec coming on live, talking to you just after 8 o'clock this morning about those developments which happened yesterday, of course, and uh, more information coming out today. Justin Dealey, thank you very much indeed. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. What annoys you about planes? It does... When people moan about kids crying on air... Hey, we were all kids once, weren't we? We were all children once. We've got no right to complain. They're, they're, they're uncomfortable. Their ears might be hurting. For goodness sakes. Deal with it. I don't want to be rude. But I, I'm going to be rude. Whenever someone says that, it's like saying, I'm not racist, but 
I don't want to be rude, but when you're sat and you've got your chair and there's an empty chair next to you, the middle chair is empty and you think, oh, for goodness sake, this is great. Please, no one come. And people just walk past and you think, I'm going to get away with it. They're about to shut the door. Then they open the door again and a big fat man comes on. And you know, and I don't want to be, I don't want to be disrespectful, but then he comes and sits next to you. We've all had it, haven't we? Well, you're then kind of squeezed over a little bit. I put it to the jury. That's not fair. Really, that's not fair. I have travelled first class in the past. I've never paid for it. Imagine paying £5,000 for an aeroplane seat. That's crazy. I've, I've had it paid for a couple of times for work. Has it been paid by your licence fee? No, it was for commercial businesses. But, and that was amazing, you push a button, a lady comes over, you say, could you turn my chair into a bed? And she does, it's a bed. I generally travel economy. Uh, and th- there is no room there at all, is there? 08459 455. You can also go to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. What irritates you on flights? fellas oh that was the chair that was the chair that was the chair for goodness sakes morning this is Ian Lee BBC Three Counties Radio 
They are obsessed with this Bernadette. Let her go. Come on. She's obviously not that bothered. Do you a quick look at the front page of the newspapers? Yes, let's. The Daily Telegraph. It's the Duke and Duchess with their baby, with their brand new baby. Not really. It's lookalikes. They're good, those lookalikes, aren't they? I like them. I worked with a, a Prince William lookalike once. He was rubbish. He was rubbish. Uh, Abandoned trident at your peril, Britain told. Former defence ministers and forces chief demand a continuous nuclear deterrent. Uh, why? Do we really need it? 2013? We could halve trident, couldn't we? Anyway, it belongs... Isn't it in Scottish waters? When they get independent, they'll own it. Um... Callous, the verdict on NHS care for the dying. Dying patients are suffering a fundamental lack of care and being left in agony outside normal hours, according to a report which accuses nurses of brutality and callousness. Nurses? Nurses, you are brutal and callous, according to uh, The Telegraph. The Independent, Tories prepare to get tougher still on single teenage mums. Call for benefit curbs in new right-wing agenda approved by PM. Recommendations that teenage mothers should no longer automatically be entitled to council housing or housing benefit as part of a new drive to reduce teen pregnancy have been welcomed by David Cameron. So hang on. Teenage mums, single mums, they're not going to get housing benefit and that's going to reduce teen pregnancy? Are you sure? Really? That's the that's how kids get pregnant, isn't it? Because they know that housing benefit is coming. It's not because they're badly educated, is it? No! Jeez! That's got me quite angry. The Guardian. Um, uh, Tories go level with Labour as UKIP slumps. Uh, and new pressure over training deaths. Men killed in SAS tests in Wales were both experienced soldiers. Very sad those men died. Very sad. I did hear a member of the army on Five Live yesterday or the day before saying, well, they were training for the SAS. They were kind of, it was like a, a, a recruitment programme for the SAS. And if they got the job, they'd be marching in deserts of where 30, this is the guy on Five Live said, 30 degrees is considered cold. I don't know. They were training for the SAS. I don't know. Let's do the Times and then we'll do the rest of it later on. The Times is a cracking interview with uh, Phil Spector's daughter. I'm ashamed to see Dad in jail. Uh, there's a picture of Susan Taylor, 35, the uh, young lady who... Uh, 34, sorry, who, who died a mile away from completing her swim across the... Um, uh, what do they call it? The, the Channel, that's it, isn't it? Yes, I was going to say Channel Tunnel, but I knew that was wrong, but I knew it was slightly right. Anyway, that's very sad. Uh, Tories plan new assault on welfare handouts and the story that we've been talking about here. Murder suspect was out uh, uh, was on day out of prison. A double killer who is suspected of murdering a good Samaritan was on day release from an open prison. It emerged yesterday. We'll look at the Mail, the Express and the Sun in a little bit. 6.46. Let's get the travel news now with Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M25 anti-clockwise starting to slow up a bit as you make your way past Junction 25 for the A10 at Enfield and Chesant and then into the stretch with the roadworks as you continue round toward the A1M. After the roadworks, it's slow from Junction 21 at the M1 round to 20 at Kings Langley for the A41. Not too bad down toward the M40 as yet. Routes down toward the M25 all looking fine for the moment. The speed sensors aren't picking up any delays through Luton or Dunstable. 
Everything looking good in Bedford, and it's all looking good on the A1 at the Black Cat Roundabout so far today. Dis- uh, quite a bit of disruption on the tubes, though, if you're heading into London. Piccadilly line runs with severe delays because of emergency works at Finsbury Park earlier today. So does the Victoria line. Your tickets in both of those cases will be taken on either Greater Anglia or First Capital Connect services. And the Bakerloo line... Regent's Park Station has been shut. This is because of defective lifts. Everything else looking absolutely fine on the rails. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. 6.47, it's Tuesday the 16th of June. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Police are still looking for the escaped prisoner Ian McLaughlin in connection with Saturday's fatal stabbing in Hertfordshire. Buckinghamshire is expected to be among 14 NHS trusts criticised for poor care and medical errors in a report published later today. In sport, England's women footballers narrowly avoided exit from the European Championships with a one-all draw against Russia in Sweden. Coming up, a man wanted for murder in Hertfordshire is still on the run. We'll hear more with our reporter, Craig Lewis. But before that, let's get the latest weather. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. I like this ambient music. That's why I'm letting this play. I like the ambient music. It's kind of quite quite chilled and relaxed, isn't it? I can listen to this. This is what my mind sounds like when I'm falling asleep. It's like bubbles, noise bubbles. Right, we can get the latest weather. Let's go to Kate Kinsella. Morning, Kate! Good morning. Well, yes, it's another beautiful day right the way across all three counties. We're waking up to a bit of cloud, dare I say it, this morning, but it's high cloud and we're already starting to see the sun behind it, so it's turning the sunshine just a little bit hazier, but it's not going to impact the temperature at all. We're still looking at a maximum of around 29 Celsius. Overnight, it's another sticky one, light winds, clear spells, and the minimum temperature outside of towns and cities, 14 Celsius. Inside of towns and cities, we could be seeing 17, 18 Celsius, so an uncomfortable night to come. That's your forecast. Thank you very much. Roberto Peroni, debating the local issues. Bill Rowe is uh, a guardian angel. He needs volunteers for his Luton chapter. This is not being a policeman. You can't do a policeman's job. It is giving safe passage to more vulnerable people. Roberto Peroni. A red kite has been rescued from a tree in Hertfordshire. There was a lost parrot in the three counties, and I was ready to mobilise our best people. Forget snakes on a plane. This is snakes in Hertfordshire. Potentially 27 of them. Roberto Peroni. And I love the animal stories. I do the animal stories. Weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. I've got some ways of forgetting now what you're finding out, what you're finding out. I've got some ways of believing now what you're leaving out, what you're leaving out. So take a reach down inside your soul What you gonna find, what you gonna find And it's all deep down inside your soul What you leave behind, what you leave behind I can hear it calling Can't you tell I'm on the edge of so 
Jamie Cullum, he's only tiny, he's four foot six, you can put him in your pocket. When you meet him, he tugs your trouser leg. Oh, mister, you look down and he's there. But I prefer his kind of, his jazzy stuff, you know, when he's just like a little bit of jazzy. I'm doing the finger movements there of a jazz pianist. I don't like his moody pop star stuff. It doesn't, it, it leaves me a little cold. Anyway, anyway. Uh, 08459-455-555 is the phone number. Another uh, uh, the, the hospital subject here. We're doing a lot of this at the moment. Uh, a report on the NHS due to be published today is expected to describe poor care and medical errors at 14 NHS trusts, including the one that covers Buckinghamshire. It was commissioned by the government in the wake of the scandal at Mid-Staffordshire and prompted by high death rates at the trusts concerned. Those that fall short could be placed in special measures by regulators who could potentially force out senior managers. Well, Tara Gungafel can tell, uh, tell us more. Tara, it appears we're talking about a lot of deaths that this report suggests were unnecessary. Yes, definitely. Across the 14 trusts, that figure has been put at 13,303 deaths. That were unnecessary? Yes. Wow. Uh, the medical director for the NHS in England, Professor Sir Bruce Keogh, has carried out the review and it's thought to describe poor care, medical errors and management blunders that led to these deaths. Now, Sir Brian Jarman advised on the report and he gives his view on the number of deaths that have been uncovered. The number of deaths in that those 14 hospitals exceeded the number that would have taken place had they had the national death rate for age, sex, diagnosis and so on. So it's a number compared with what would have been expected by the national death rate. It's just quite a stark sum, yes. I, I'm, a stark sum, I'm still reading of that. 13,303 uh, unnecessary 
deaths. Why have they focused on mortality rates? Well, they're essentially a way of keeping an eye on performance. Now, these trusts that are being looked at are all termed outliers, which means they have a higher than expected number of deaths. And the figure takes into account factors such as age of the local population. And it was the death rates at Stafford Hospital obviously it's been so big in the mm. news um, it was those death rates that first triggered regulators to start investigating that case but a high death rate isn't always a sign of poor care now there can be valid reasons for example you know the burden of a particular illness in an area can be higher than in other similar areas and therefore the figures can be skewed now the Buckinghamshire Healthcare NHS Trust which covers Stoke Mandeville and Wickham hospitals mm. and I think this is a figure a lot of local people would like to know yep. um, that's listed as having 309 needless deaths if they have high death rates, why weren't these hospitals already being looked at? Well, they were, and all 14 have been closely watched by regulators, although the signs are that problems are not as significant as they were at Stafford Hospital. Now, the trust which runs that hospital has been put into administration, and that is the ultimate sanction that's open to regulators. Mm. Now, none of the 14 that are on this list that's in the report that's going to be released today are at that stage, or even had restrictions put in place, such as the closure of units. Now, two trusts... Buckinghamshire and Basildon and Thurrock uh, currently have warning notices from the Care Quality Commission and that means they've been told to make improvements. If they don't, they could face fines or restrictions on what they can do. Um, in terms of what Bucks Healthcare NHS Trust is, is saying about this, it's not commenting until the report is published but has said that we can talk to their chief executive later today. But back in February, they, they said in a statement that action plans have been put in place to understand its high and what they describe it as HS. SMR, which actually stands for Hospital Standardised Mortality Ratios, mm. and it has seen an improvement year on year as a result. Report is out lunchtime. Uh, won't be debated in Parliament till tomorrow, though. That's right, but there's already been quite a lot of politicking going on around this. The Conservatives say 1,500 warnings were ignored by the last Labour government, um, the then Health Secretary Andy Burnham. Labour say things have been getting worse under the coalition. Uh, today's report also comes as criticism grows of the health watchdog, the Care Quality Commission, we've heard about them already in today's mm. programme, um, over whether it's been doing its job. Now, Jan Hansen, a campaigner with Cure the NHS Lincolnshire, said he started to look at the state of hospitals after his mother died, but he felt NHS staff just thought he was after compensation. Since I've been investigating and I've had so many people contact me, that appears to be the bottom line. People were saying this is not a financial um, this is not a financial thing. This is a, a, a matter of, you know, people are dying unnecessarily and in, in the most brutal conditions. And this needs to stop. You know, we're sort of 21st century in Great Britain. We're not in a third world country. So this just should not be happening. Well, it's, it's incredible figures, isn't it? Across the 14 trusts, 13,303 unnecessary deaths. Uh, in our region, something like over 300 unnecessary deaths. It's, it seems incredible, doesn't it? 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us uh, a call. 309 needless deaths in the Buckinghamshire area. We'll have more on that later on in the show. You can also give us a call and tell us what irritates you on aeroplanes. 08459 455 555. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Here's Adam with the travel. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Problems in Wheatamstead, the hill, the B651, has been shut because of a building fire between Butterfield Road and East Lane. 
On the M1, southbound traffic is starting to slow from the junction with Luton Airport Spur at Junction 10 and Redbourne, the A5, at Junction 9. If you're heading down toward the M25, anti-clockwise, you're going to find a patch of traffic starting to build up going into the roadwork. So that's past Junction 25 for the A10 at Enfield and Chesant. It then slows up after you get through the roadworks from the M1 to Kings Langley, Junction 21 to 20. The A1 into London looking slow through Borehamwood from Stirling Corner down to Apex Corner. Problems for the Tubes, Piccadilly Line and Victoria Line both running with severe delays after emergency engineering works at Finsbury Park earlier today. Tickets will be taken on Greater Anglia and First Capital Connect services though. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. It's coming up to 7 o'clock. In the next hour of the show, we'll have more on the uh, closures of various services at Bedford Hospital and also the closure of the Mepishal Care Home. All of that and more after the news with Catherine Boyle. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's seven o'clock, the headlines. Hearts Police Hunt escaped prisoner. Bedford MP backs Riverbank changes and Meppershaw care home owners devastated. BBC Three Counties Radio. Police are still looking for an escaped prisoner in connection with Saturday's fatal stabbing in Hertfordshire. It thought Graham Buck was killed while trying to help an elderly neighbour in Little Gadston. 55-year-old Ian McLaughlin was on day release from Spring Hill Prison in Buckinghamshire, where he's two, 22 years into a 25-year sentence, as Detective Chief Inspector Martin Brunning from Hertfordshire Police explained. We've been working with, in conjunction with the the Ministry of Justice, uh, around the circumstances of that. He has previous convictions for uh, manslaughter and is currently serving um, for a murder. Um, So that's indicative of of the, the levels of violence that he's used in the past. Buckinghamshire is expected to be among 14 NHS trusts criticised in a report published later today. A review by the Medical Director of NHS England, Sir Bruce Keogh, is expected to highlight poor standards of care, medical errors and management blunders and to suggest that the scandal at Mid-Staffordshire Hospital was not a one-off. The Conservative MP for Bedford is backing changes to children's services at the town's hospital as long as they're only temporary. Uh, Bedford will no longer have children's accident in an emergency or overnight care. Instead, patients will go to Milton Keynes or the Luton and Dunstable in what's been described as an interim measure. Richard Fuller welcomes such a partnership. It seems to me to be important that we have a plan that brings back the services that are currently going away to Bedford Hospital. And I think we should take some comfort in what you said, that Bedford is a large area, it has a lot of satellite areas around it, and working in partnership with another hospital, there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to provide long-term the same services that were there ahead of the deanery making its decision. The owners of a Bedfordshire care home say they're devastated by a decision to close it down by Friday, forcing 70 elderly residents to find somewhere else to live. In a statement, GA Projects Limited admit to areas of poor care at the Meppershaw care home, highlighted by the Care Quality Commission, but complain that they should have been given more time to turn things around. Well, the Assistant Director of Central Bedfordshire Council, David Johns, disagrees. This decision taken by the Care Quality Commission, I'm sure, wasn't taken lightly. But this private home provider had failed to meet the requirements despite a lot of support that had been provided. 
As you heard in the travel news, we're getting reports of a fire at Wheatumstead. It's believed to be at the Swan Pub. We've scrambled Paul's going and we'll bring you more as we get it. Obesity may be a factor in the development of the bone disease osteoporosis, according to new research. Scientists suggest that some people with larger waistlines have fatty bones that are weak and prone to fractures. In sport, Barcelona are considering a £25 million offer from Manchester United for midfielder Cesc Fabregas. The offer is thought to be below the Catalan club's valuation for the player and his former club Arsenal have a first option to buy Fabregas back should he become available. The weather very warm with plenty of sunshine and a top temperature of 29 degrees Celsius. That's 84 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Wasn't it hot? It was too hot. I'm going to say it. It was too hot. You get all these naysayers. Oh, no, 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 don't say... No, don't say it was too hot. No, don't say it was too hot. It was too hot. It was... uh, Yesterday, I um, had uh, my two boys... Yes. I had my two boys in the garden. We had the paddling pool. We had the hose. I also had two of my nieces came round, four and one, something like that. And I spent most of the afternoon with two, um, uh, what do you call it? What do you call those? Watering cans, is it? Watering can in each pocket and a hose down the back of my shorts. Thanks, kids. And thanks to uh, Uncle Matthew, who was there, but was carrying his really expensive camera. So, oh no, don't spray Uncle Matthew with the hose because I'm carrying a really expensive camera. Go and get Ian. Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot. Lots coming up between now and eight o'clock, including I will be uh, speaking later on in the show to the chief executive of Bedford Hospital to hear why they're reducing children's services and we'll be sending patients elsewhere instead. Well, we'll be speaking to a parent of a child who uses Bedford Hospital regularly to find out how the changes will affect her. More fallout from the decision to close a care home in Bedfordshire. 70 residents now have to find somewhere else to stay. And as thousands prepare to take to the skies for the big summer getaway, being on a plane, it's not always a pleasant start to the holiday, is it? I don't like it, but mainly because I'm scared. My ears really hurt as well. But what winds you up about flying? Is it the kids crying? Is it the food? Is it the service? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or you can give me a call 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, we did yesterday's show from just outside Bedford Hospital as we tried to find out exactly what was going to happen. We didn't. We got closer, though, and it was announced finally yesterday. We got closer, and I think we could... Well, we drew our own assumptions from what was not being said, and we were pretty spot on. I think a statement was released yesterday that the majority of services at Bedford Hospital's paediatric unit are set to close. That's following a decision to remove trainee doctors from the unit by the end of this month. The hospital say in the short term there'll no longer be a children's A&E, overnight care on the Riverbank Ward, or a children's assessment unit. Children will be sent to neighbouring hospitals like Milton Keynes instead. Well, I'm joined now by the Mayor of Bedford, Dave Hodgson. Dave, it, it wasn't said yesterday morning, but we pretty much knew this is what was going to happen. What's your reaction to this news? Well, I'm shocked. I think as parents and families across the borough will be shocked at sort of this uh, the service that we've come to expect uh, has gone. And we need three things now. In the statement yesterday, I think um, 
didn't make it clear about some of the stuff that's happening. So, for example, they say in the statement that there's uh, uh, 50 to 60 uh, pay, uh, youngsters that go to A&E um, a day. Now, have we actually got a surety that the other hospitals can cope with that kind of load and that the ambulance service can get them there and back? Um, so there's a whole lot of questions still to be asked uh, about um, making sure that youngsters can get there and their families. You know, it, the knock-on effect for, for, for young families is quite, quite immense. Well, we're speaking uh, to uh, the acting chief exec uh, of the Bedford Hospital later on in the show, so I'll certainly put those points to him. The question for me, Dave, is the maternity unit. The maternity unit is safe for the moment, but I, I, I wonder how it can be if paediatric services are being removed from the hospital. Yeah, I mean, um, we need to ask exactly the kind of questions we're going to ask the uh, the hospital on, on Thursday, Health and Wellbeing Board, and we now need a clear plan, as well as the sort of looking at how this is going to operate, a clear plan about how we bring these services back to Bedford as soon as possible at the highest level of quality and patient safety, and that's the, that's the next step. That's the other questions we'll be asking the hospital on Thursday, and I'm sure you'll ask them uh, later on this morning. Children's A&E, overnight care at Riverbank Ward, children's assessment unit, they've all gone in the short term. Do you really think they're going to come back, Dave? I mean, I'm, I'm going to try and, you know, not if I can help it, we're going to lose services. We're not going to lose services, we're going to work. And I think there's a commitment uh, from the people of the borough, from residents, from families, uh, from youngsters, from politicians, that this is a service, these are services we expect in Bedford. Now, the idea of having to travel if your youngster uh, uh, has to go into A&E, um, has an accent or is very unwell, to Milton Keynes, to Luton Dunstable, to Hinchinbrook or to the Lister. You know, if you, you just talked about being in the garden yesterday, if something went wrong, yep. how do you cope going that distance with three other people um, and a very expensive camera? Um, <laughs> well, it, yes. Um, you know, that's, that's not an easy trip to make because um, most people, youngsters, will have another youngster that you've got to talk yep. about. How do you care for them? So there's a whole lot of knock-on effects. It might be okay to, to get to uh, Bedford, but if you go go 20 to 30 miles to another hospital and you've got other children care to look after, it becomes very, very difficult. And at very anxious times for the families um, and the youngest children, it becomes even more anxious for them. You've got this meeting on, on Thursday, Dave. Can, mm. can members of the public come along? The members of the public come along to listen. Um, we've, uh, it's, we've got it um, on Thursday because we've got to give seven days' notice, otherwise yep. we would have had it earlier. And obviously we've had to have the agreement. The hospital haven't got to turn up, but they are turning up. Um, so we can ask some questions. And, and where is it, if people do want to come along? 10 o'clock at Borough Hall on Thursday. OK, Dave Hodgson, uh, Mayor of Bedford. No doubt we'll be speaking to you on Friday to see how that meeting went. Thank you very much indeed. Well, are you worried? Are you concerned about this? Because it's... Um, I've, got, I've got little boys. I've had to take them both to the hospital recently. One for something very, very serious. One because he ripped his lip open. Um, are you worried about this? Do you live in Bedford? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Well, Freya Foster relies on the services at the paediatric ward for her one-year-old daughter Evelyn. She joins me now. Morning, Freya. Morning. Freya, t- what's what's wrong with Evelyn? Why why are you so dependent on that hospital? Um, Evelyn has uh, not been without her problems. Um, she has had since she was born severe reflux issues, which means she has lots of trouble keeping food down, um, lots of stomach upsets. Um, she also has multiple hemangiomas, which are benign tumours. Um, and one of them is actually directly in her eye, which oh means she's on a drug called Propo- Propanol, and she has to have regular checkups. Um, and so, how often do you use the, the, the paediatric facilities at Bedford? Well, set in stone, we, we have checkups every four weeks, which I believe, from what we've been told for now, is staying right. uh, outpatient appointments. However, we have open access to the hospital. 
hospital, which obviously means if we need kind of, you know, more emergency care, we bypass the current system and I can phone direct through to the Riverbank ward and they'll see her pretty much straight away. Um, that service will be taken away from us. Um, and also, like every parent um, in Bedfordshire, we have the, the uh, unreassurance that our child will be seen in a timely manner uh, because of having to travel to uh, Milton Keynes, Luton or wherever it may be um, if there was a, you know, a general emergency or accident um, and that petrifies me. How concerned are you uh, 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 about Evelyn and her condition and, and the closures being made here at Bedford Hospital? Well, today is actually a big day for us anyway. We have a consultant appointment um, at Bedford Hospital just before 10 o'clock this morning, um, which is kind of her yearly summary of her first year of life and where we're going from here, uh, what we're doing with her drugs and, and things like that. So today is a massive day. Um, I will obviously be asking tons and tons of questions mm. um, to the poor old consultant that gets me today um, because I need to, to, I need to know where we're going from here um, and how our care is going to be handled. Um, on a more personal note, what, what frightens me is the paediatric nurses on the ward and her consultant um, know her care plan like no other. Mm. Um, and that, that's a scary thought, that that could all just be handed over to somebody who doesn't know Evelyn. Well, I was going uh, to say that, that they know her case inside out, and also I'd imagine that both you and Evelyn have, have developed a, a relationship. If you're in there once every, every four weeks, you'll have developed a relationship with the doctors, with the nurses, with the, with the people, and it, it makes things just that little bit easier, doesn't it? It does, absolutely, and to be perfectly honest, because I know the system that they run there, I know for her four-weekly check-up what to do. Mm. It's really, really simple for me. I go in and I know the first thing I'm going to do is get her weighed, so I make sure she's ready for that. We're, we're pretty much in and out in 15, 20 minutes. Um, and that's obviously going to, that will change if other services, because my, my fear is, although at the moment we've been told it's the A&E, it's the emergency, the overnight care, is where's this going to stop? Is everything going to be pulled from underneath us? Um, and, and that's scary. That's a really scary thought. Freya, I appreciate your time. Uh, best of luck at the appointment uh, today. Do let us know if... Uh, well, do let us know if you hear any gossip, is what is, I guess. Well, we're a little bit nosy like that. Let's see what you can pick up for us. You are our eyes and ears, dear listener. Well, are you concerned about this? Just to remind you, Bedford Hospital, there will no longer be a children's A&E. There'll be no children's A&E. Now, your kitty has an accident. You dial 999. There's a hospital five minutes away from you. Oh, no, no, no. You can't take that one. You have to go to Milton Keynes Hospital or Northampton Hospital, which is significantly further away. Yes, if you're in the ambulance and the blues or twos are going, you'll still get there at a pace. But, but, <laughs> it's an A&E. Accident and emergency. Do you really want to be travelling that extra distance? They take about 50 to 60 kids a day at Bedford A&E. Can the other hospitals... Cope with it. Overnight care on the Riverbank Ward and the Children's Assessment Unit are all going to close for the short term. It's for the short term is what they're saying. Want my opinion? Again, this is my opinion. This ain't no fact. I don't think they'll be coming back. Bet when we speak to uh, Stephen Conroy, the uh, acting chief exec today, I bet I bet he doesn't have... He'll say they'll open, but he won't have a date. Oh, oh no, I can't have a date. For, but we'll see. He'll be coming on just after 8 o'clock, so we, we will put that to him. If you're a concerned parent uh, and you've got any questions you want us to put to Stephen Conroy, the acting chief exec of Bedford Hospital, uh, do give us a call 08459 455 555, or you can text them in 81333. Start your text 3CR and uh, we will pick the best ones 
Um, and uh, well, we'll ask as many of them as we can to him. So if you've got a question for the acting chief exec of Bedford Hospital, uh, and if you listen to the interview yesterday, it'll be in the podcast, if you listen to the interview yesterday, he, he didn't say a lot, but he gave away so much by not saying anything. He'll be on just after eight o'clock. Any questions for him? 08459 455 555 or you can send us a text 81333 start your text 3CR it's also we're trying to lighten things up a bit today we've got a lot of heavy stories care homes closing children's wards closing death rates in Buckinghamshire Healthcare Trust so we're trying to lighten it slightly as well with your annoying bits and pieces things that have happened to you on flights uh, do give us a call 08459 455 555 715 let's get the travel with Adam Glynn Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The Hill, this is the B651 in Wheatamstead. It's been shut because of a building fire between Butterfield Road and East Lane. Traffic doesn't seem to be too bad avoiding that closure. If you're caught up in a queue, though, because of it, do give us a call 08459 455 555. On the M1 southbound, it's slow from Luton Airport Spur toward Redbourne. Busy on the M25 into the roadworks, coming anti-clockwise past Junction 25, then slow from the M1 round to Kings Langley, and starting to look busy on the way down to the M40 at Junction 16 as well. The A1 into London through Boreham Wood, southbound there's a queue from Stirling Corner toward Mill Hill Circus. Piccadilly Line and Victoria Line Tube still running with severe delays after problems earlier this morning at Finsbury Park. They have to do emergency engineering works there. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much indeed. We'll have more on that fire in Wheat Hampstead in just a second from our reporter, Paul Scoynes. But before that, it's 7.16, Tuesday the 16th of July. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines. As we just mentioned, there is a fire on Wheat Hampstead High Street, which is closed this morning as fire crews tackle a substantial blaze at the Grade 2 listed Swan Pub. Paul Scoynes is there. We'll speak to him shortly. Police are still looking for an escaped prisoner in connection with Saturday's fatal stabbing in Little Gadsden. Police say Ian McLaughlin is an extremely dangerous man. In sport, Italian police have raided the hotel of Jamaican sprinters Asafa Powell and Sharon Simpson after both tested positive for a banned stimulants. Coming up, we'll have more on the closure of Meppershort Care Home. BBC Three Counties Radio. But as you've been hearing in the travel and the news bulletins, there is a fire and Wheat Hampstead High Street is closed. Paul Scoynes, I believe, is there now. Paul, where exactly are you and what's happening? What's happening? Right, Ian, I'm at the top of the high street in Wheat Hampstead and uh, as I sort of stand uh, just about 50 metres or so from the Swan Pub, I'm looking out at six fire appliances, two sort of support units from the fire, and there's a, a one of those is a crane, and firemen are, are uh, on top of the crane, they're sort of pumping water into the, uh, into the pub, which is uh, billowing with smoke and indeed has pretty uh, severe roof damage now. Um, I understand from, from speaking to a couple of firemen that the uh, fire only started about an hour and a half ago. It was around uh, sort of quarter past six that the fire actually uh, was reported in anyway from the uh, from the public and uh, and they, they managed to get here pretty quickly and they've been putting a lot of fire into it however what the uh, officer was telling me was that it's, it's quite an old building I estimate I mean I, I'm not no expert but I think this is at least 200 years 
years old, if not more. Um, certainly, I could find a, a, a references to it in in books from 200 years ago on a bit of internet research. But the, the what they said is because of the sort of nature of the building and the layout of the building, it's actually quite a difficult fire to to contend with. So they're having to sort of uh, weave through the building. And I saw just a moment ago two fire officers going into the building in breathing equipment, um, and and uh, it does seem to be uh, certainly a, a, a fairly significant operation. Uh, Paul, what, what damage can you see to the building? Well, it, it's not immediate, but certainly the the, uh, the, the roof is, is in parts caved in, um, and that's where the, the smoke is coming out of. Uh, I can't see too much damage to the downstairs. The actual sort of fascia of the building, if you like, doesn't appear to be too badly damaged. Internally, though, I'm sure it's a completely different picture because from, from what you can see from the roof, that was a fairly, a fairly strong fire inside. Paul Scoynes, thank you very much. Uh, no doubt we'll speak to you a little bit later on um, uh, to find out what's happening. Original British drama on BBC One. How much do you actually know about John Luther? Well, you've never been tempted to administer a bit of personal justice. There's no telling where this is going to end. You come for me, I'm fine with that. But you need to keep away from Mary. She's off limits. I warned you not to make me your enemy. I warned you! Luther continues tonight at nine on BBC One and BBC One HD. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 455 555. The owners of Mepishal Care Home say they are devastated by the decision to force its closure and they say they should have been given the chance to correct deficiencies. The facility's right to operate was removed on Sunday afternoon in the wake of a damning report by the Care Quality Commission. This week, the families of 70 elderly residents are in the process of moving their loved ones into new homes. Well, yesterday, our reporter Barry Caffrey met up with Beryl Telford outside the care home. Beryl's husband, Archie, suffers from Alzheimer's and had been resident at the home. She was waiting on an ambulance to transfer him to a new care home. It's very, very different because normally when you go in, the relatives are just there to visit the residents are all sitting in the lounge in their chairs either fast asleep or just sitting staring into space the carers are there seeing to any needs people are bringing them drinks but this morning wow you can hardly move because there's people all over the place and that must be very disruptive to the carers that are there this morning but it has to be done i do understand social workers have to be there occupational therapists have to be there now we've got the ambulance people in and out um and that's just how it is very sadly very sadly i'm just looking forward now to moving on and you start and hopefully things will be better not fair, is it? That's uh, Beryl Telford speaking to our reporter Barry Caffrey outside Meppershort Care Home yesterday, and we'll be speaking to Beryl after eight o'clock to find out how the move went. Well, joining me now is Karen Perry, Chief Executive of Age UK Bedfordshire. Morning, Karen. Good morning. Karen, what advice would you have for people listening who may not yet have found a new suitable care home? Well, I think, first of all, you know, it's fair to say that um, Beryl sounded very distressed, and I think everybody's hearts would go out to 
um, both the, the clients in the homes and to their families and friends who have um, obviously now got this issue where people have got to be um, moved out of the care home. It's a, you know, it's a terrible situation and we can all feel for them and certainly, you know, as an organisation that deals with older people, we, you know, we have lots of sympathy for the issues that are now going on. Um, but as you say, people are in this situation now. The care home has been um, deemed to, to close and, um, you know, for, for probably what the CQC and the local authority feel are very good reasons, um, they, uh, the people have to, have to be moved. Um, we, we provide um, information and advice to um, a whole range of people on a whole range of issues and we do have um, some sort of fact sheets and some booklets about care homes and about choosing accommodation and finding accommodation and all that comes with that because obviously um, in this instance it should be a straightforward um, move about a sort of care home to care home and um, I, I'm used straightforward in a loose term obviously because this isn't straightforward. These people won't have a choice will they? They'll just be slotted in wherever they can fit surely well um presumably at the moment it's going to be rather difficult but you can you know there are there are ways the means of changing care homes i mean at this stage it's a very urgent need so i would assume that what the local authority will be doing and i believe the local authority have met with relatives and people from the um the care home to try and sort of you know get the moves done as quickly as possible and with as, as least disruption as possible but i would assume what will happen at the moment is that um, people will be asked to move to certain care homes that have spaces and and care homes are um you know sometimes they are very uh, very full and care homes that anecdotally we understand that care homes for people who are suffering with dementia um the waiting lists are longer and places are a little more difficult to come by when we put um our mum uh, when we put when 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 we made the decision to move my mum into a care home we had to wait for ages and we were so lucky that a space came up in the home that we wanted yes. but we were waiting to be blunt, Karen, we were waiting for someone to die mm. uh, for her to take the place. Aren't that 70 spaces sounds a heck of a lot. Are they going to yeah. find that many spaces? Well, they will. I mean, these people have to have somewhere to live. If, if you think about it, you know, Mepishaw Care Home was the home for these people. That's where they lived. That was their home. So, you know, it's everybody's human right to have a home and to have safety and security and obviously it was deemed that the care home that's being closed wasn't fit for use wasn't fit for purpose you know by the cqc and that's a decision that has been made and no you know nobody can can undo that at this moment in time what happens now is is left to the cqc the private owners and the local authority but every, you know people have a right they oh, of course they do but so if the beds if the beds and the rooms aren't there mm. where will they go are they going to go back to the to, to their families well, they'll, they'll have, obviously there'll be discussions um, around, you know, what care. And it may be that, um, you know, in this instance, that, that people won't get exactly what they want to, straight away. Um, but I'm sure that there will be some help and advice, and certainly we can help and advise people on, you know, the, the process that they can take and sort of checking, you know, it, it may be temporary accommodation for a little while that that's, what might happen temporary accommodation so that can mean another uh, another move we spoke to delicia one of the one of the workers at the the Mepishal care home and she told me that she's she's worried that that this move could kill some of the residents yeah. well i mean we know that 
you know, this does happen on occasions that, that people, you know, of an older age who are settled don't like moving. And, you know, we, we are unfortunately in a situation where, you know, the decision to close the home has been made and it was obviously deemed not fit for purpose. So I think, you know, the, the if you say the writing was on the wall, you know, and, and the, the local authority, the CQC, aren't doing this to upset the residents and to... No, we, we, we appreciate that. Um, it, it is about safeguarding. It is about, you know, having somewhere that people can live, that they are comfortable and happy in. And yes, the residents are now being forced to move out of somewhere they called home. Karen, listen, we have to end it there. Thank you very much. That's Karen Perry, Chief Executive of Age UK Bedfordshire. It does concern me. I mean, listen, of course, it, it, it closed down. It had to be closed down. It wasn't done for a laugh. But it does concern me. 70, finding 70 rooms, 70 beds. Some of those people, is it 14, I think, have got dementia? It's so hard. When we were looking, we were looking, uh, well, we looked in North London, because I was living there at the time, for a care home. We also looked in Bucks, which lives in Bucks now. Uh, but the care home said, well, you know, I'm glad you like it. We'll, we'll put your name on the list. Now, how long does that list last, and where are we on that list? Well, because of your mum's care needs, she, she will go quite high up on the list, but not to the front. Um, and we might have a room next week, or it could be three years. Uh, excuse me? You're, wait, you're waiting for either someone to move, doesn't happen very often, or for someone to die. Happens a little bit more often. And we were really lucky. Mum, we found there was a, one care home we loved. Got mum on that waiting list immediately. And I think it took six, I think six months. And we got a phone call saying, uh, a room has just come up. You'd need to move in in seven days. And that, that seventh day was the 27th of December. Boy, was that a fun Christmas. Wow, was that a fun Christmas. Ay, 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 ay. Uh, but it does worry me, where are these 70 people going to go? If you've had experience with care homes in uh, Beds, Hearts and Bucks, uh, uh, it is difficult, isn't it? I've not got that wrong. It is tricky finding beds and finding spaces. And um, and also, again, you know, well, Mepishal Care Home has proven it. And, and some of the care homes we looked at, they're flipping awful. You know, it's it's bare minimum you get. These people won't get a choice. Right, there's two spaces here. So Doris and, and uh, Andrew, you can move in there. We've got one space here. Ethel, you can have that one. Worrying times for the people moving and for the people, uh, the, the families of those concerned. 08459 455 555. Let's get the travel now with Adam Glynn. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, as you were hearing from Paul's Goins a little earlier in Wheatonstead, the high street is very much closed off because of the fire at the Swan Pub between Butterfield Road and East Lane is where they've put the closure in. So the closure is a little bit longer than the high street itself, but the closure is entirely along the B651. The M1 southbound, heavy traffic from Junction 10 at the Luton Airport, spur toward 9 at Redbourne. Then on the M25, you've got delays into the roadworks clockwise past the A1M, anti-clockwise past the A10, and then continuing anti-clockwise, it's slow from the M1 to the A41 and from Maple Cross at Junction 17 round to the M40 at Junction 16. Delays starting to build on the A1 called the Black Cat Roundabout in Roxton and the Great Barford Bypass. It's also looking slow once you get into Boreham Wood on your way into London between Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus. Now, if you're commuting using the Tube this morning, still severe delays for the Piccadilly Line, Acton Town to Heathrow and to Uxbridge. Minor delays on the rest of the line because of emergency works at Finsbury Park earlier today. Severe delays for the Victoria Line because of the same reason. And now, severe delays for the Northern Line on the Bank Branch between Kennington and Camden Town because of signal failure 
at Euston. It's mainly the northbound service that's been affected by, uh, for the time being. Trains across the three counties are, thankfully, running well. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. 7.30, news and sport. Is uh, Catherine Boyle. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. The headlines. Police are still looking for an escaped prisoner in connection with Saturday's fatal stabbing in Little Gadsden. Police say Ian McLaughlin is an extremely dangerous man. Wheatumstead High Street is closed this morning as fire, tackle, fire crews tackle a substantial blaze at the Grade 2 listed Swan Pub. And Buckinghamshire is expected to be among 14 NHS trusts criticised in a report published by Sir Bruce Keogh later today. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Italian police have raided the hotel rooms of Jamaican sprinters Asafa Powell and Sharon Simpson. The pair, along with the, along with the American Tyson Gay, have tested positive for the use of banned substances. The 1996 Olympic champion Donovan Bailey says athletes can succeed without resorting to cheating. I've proven you can run under 9-9 clean. Never, ever one day took drugs. So I know that I've proven in my career that you can train hard, eat right, surround yourself with the right people and break world records. Uh, win world championships, win Olympic Games. I mean, ultimately, it's within the human body to do the things that some of these guys are doing. Meanwhile, on the track, the Bedford athlete Nigel Levine says it may be too early for him to compete against the world's best 400-metre runners for now. Levine qualified for the World Championships in Moscow next month after achieving the qualifying time at the British Championships on Sunday. I'm going to be very realistic to myself and not be negative, but it's not going to happen this year. Mm. I'm not. I'm not on that level yet. But hopefully I can give the number one guys a very good race. Last night, England's women footballers earned a late draw against Russia to keep their hopes of qualifying for their Euro 2013 group alive. Everton's Tony Duggan scored a 93rd minute equaliser to level at one all, and the BBC's Ian Dennis called the action. It has to happen now. The white shirts have to go forward. It's a throw on the left-hand side to Karen Carney. Jill Scott with a lanky legs tries to poke it goalwards. It comes to Duggan! Tony Duggan has scored! Meanwhile, for the men, there are more local friendly matches tonight. MK Dons away to Brackley, Stevenage hosts QPR, Wickhamer at Staines and Luton travel to Hitchin. And that's your latest news and sports. I'll be back with more at eight. As a slim, long-legged person, I take offence at that commentator. With her lanky legs, she scores! <laughs> that's, that's offensive, isn't it? I'd love someone to call my legs lanky. I would love it. Um, yeah, not very convincing. I'll, I'll carry on with the show then. <laughs> On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is Ian Lee. On BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up in the next 30 minutes or so. And I do want to get your calls. Lots of you on Facebook. Give me a call. What annoys you on aeroplanes? 08459 455 555. We'll look at some of your Facebook messages uh, in a little bit. Uh, The majority of services at Bedford Hospital's paediatric unit are set to close. There'll be no longer be a children's A&E, overnight care on the Riverbank ward or a children's assessment unit. Does that worry you? Are you a concerned parent? Do you live near there? Have you used that hospital? 08459 455 555. April's in Luton. Morning, April. Good morning. What, what do you make of these uh, paediatric services closing at Bedford Hospital? That's very worrying for me. I've used those services when my son was younger. I've used the paediatric service, I've used the assessment ward, I've used the uh, A&E. And uh, there's no way I'm going to go to Milton Keynes. Why would you not go to Milton Keynes? 
um, just recently in the last yep. two or three years, there's been quite a few high-profile cases of them actually missing. Well, then, well, then where, would you, where would you go then, April? What would you do? I'll drive my son to Cambridge. How long would that, how much longer would that take? Statistically, actually, from where I live, the distance between my house and Milton Keynes and my house and Cambridge is a couple of miles. Right. But I'd rather go to Cambridge. You'd, you'd rather go there. There, is, there are concerns as to whether, I mean, Milton Keynes and Northampton are potentially uh, two of the, the, the hospitals that would get the overflow. Uh, as to, there's a question as to whether they could cope with the extra work. I would suggest Milton Keynes could not, considering they've been under so much scrutiny recently with regards to their childcare services. Uh, April, listen, thank you very much indeed. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. Lots of kind of heavy news about things closing today. Uh, Mepishal Care Home is, uh, is, is closing. Residents have uh, got to find a new place to live by Friday. Bob's from Henlow. Morning, Bob. Good morning, Ian. Bob, you uh, don't think the home should close? No, I don't. Uh, I was thinking that, you know, if a business goes, goes down because the management are bad, they put receivers in, so why can't they keep it open and get a new management team in? And, and raise the standard of service there until it's ready to hand back. Um, you know, why close it? Because, you know, having found, tried to find the beds for our old folk, it's very, very hard for people. Um, it, it will be interesting, Bob, to find out exactly why the CQC said it should close. I, I, I would imagine for them to say that, it, it would have had to have been pretty poor there. Yeah, but, yeah, but it's only that that can only be the fault of the management. So keep the staff, but get rid of the management and put managers who know how to run a home in and get it back on its feet. The thing is, these homes, they're run as businesses. Um, yes. And if, if it's not making money, it, it, you can't just keep throwing money at it because, you know, you wouldn't do that to a sinking business, would you? But it's only like a receivership where the receivers yeah. do exactly that and they have the powers to do it. So why can't it fall into that sort of category? It's what... We've had uh, Ken's been in touch, and uh, uh, Ken probably is speaking sense here. Probably cheaper to move seventy people than get a new manager in. Is it, is it oh, Ken's on the line. Ken, hello, Ken. Hello, mate. Ken, you're agreeing with Bob. I think I just made oh, your yeah. point for you. Go on. I am, mate. The, the, the NHS is safe in the Tories' hands. He tells us every Wednesday, yeah. And it's easier to move seventy people than to get a new team in. They closed a home down. It's all boarded up now. Yeah for autistic children and they were being abused the government closed it they'll soon find money to build a railway and compulsory purchase everyone's houses and everything but ken this uh, and uh, bob thank you very much we'll let you go your line's not great but but ken this isn't this is you know this is a business this mepishal home is a business ian you can wait you, you've got time if you send a new team in there and you can do it gradually not all at once, Ty. Ken, if there are things wrong with it, though, and, and uh, you know, and some of the things that were there were pretty grossy, you don't want to do it in time. You want to do it straight away. Yes, but if you put a new team in there, get someone to run it who knows what they're doing, then it, surely it's, it's better to that. I mean, poor old Beryl, I mean, I've, I nearly sat here and cried yesterday when I was watching because I, I've been in the same position. Me and my wife went out after work to find a nursing home for my mother-in-law. She was in hospital, and they wanted to turf her out quick. 
and she had Alzheimer's and everything. And this is how much they care for old people nowadays. You know, they've got no respect for old people. We don't, we don't count in this world. This country, uh, you know, old people, they're just a nuisance. And that's how I feel, because I've had experience, like you have, when you go to find a nursing home for your, your relatives that are getting on, and they just treat them like parcels. It's a wonder they ain't sent all the residents out by DHL parcel service. <laughs> I'm, laughing, I'm laughing because oh, that's I such know. a ridiculous image. Ken, listen, I appreciate what you're saying, and, and uh, yeah, and, I, I, we both know what it's like to try and find a home. For, for a loved one who needs a little bit of help. It's hard work, Ken. Thank you very much uh, indeed for that. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. Standards of care at 14 hospital trusts with the worst death rates in England are, be, are to be laid bare in a report later. Buckinghamshire Healthcare NHS Trust is included in that 14. The investigation led by Sir Bruce Keogh follows the public inquiry into Mid-Staffordshire Hospital. Well, our reporter Neil Cartmel has more. Morning, Neil. What exactly is being investigated? Good morning, Ian. Well, there are 14 trusts being investigated. They all have higher than expected death rates in the last two years. So, of course, that investigation, of course, is fresh off the back of mid-staffs and the problems there, um, where they found there were between 400 and 1,200 more deaths than would have been expected. So the mortality figure they come up with, they take into account the local population, the people that are coming into the hospital and their condition, the age ranges, etc. All these variables are taken into consideration. They then have a figure. If it exceeds that, that's when the red flags start to raise or the alarm bell start to go off. So the fear was, after mid-staffs, that there were other hospital trusts in the UK that had higher than expected mortality rates. So Sir Bruce's investigation has looked into that, looked at the standards of care, and he's attempting, attempting, to, attempting to establish whether or not there are any causes, and it is only an if, uh, in terms of these mortality rates. So things like poor care, mistakes, that kind of thing. Um, when when he, we talk about that, we should sort of remind ourselves what we're talking about. I mean, in Midstaff's case, and this has been reported elsewhere, we're talking about patients who are having to drink from vases at the side of their bed because they haven't been given water, or patients being referred to A&E by receptionists because there's no medical staff um, in, in the vicinity. So they're the kind of things that we're, t- we're talking about. And is it directly because of Midstaff's that this investigation was launched? Well, it, it, it certainly came off the back of it because it raised concerns that there were failing hospitals elsewhere that weren't being held to account. So the inquiry, I mean, the, the, the Francis inquiry into mid-staffs was pretty damning of the NHS. It said it had betrayed the public by putting corporate self-interest ahead of patients. So the fear is and was and is rather that, 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 that there were others elsewhere and that they were being ignored and they needed to be looked into. And certainly that's the feeling of a lot of pressure groups that have been saying that for some time these figures have been known about and not been acted on. I would imagine that some people would feel this investigation, these investigations were, were too long in coming. Yeah, in f- well, as I said, um, one or two groups had already said that. And in fact, Professor Sir Brian Jarman, who advised the review um, that, that Sir Brian Keogh has been, has, has been um, carrying out, he, he thinks that the report itself is progress. The very big change was when the Francis report came out in February this year, which made quite clear the problems of mid-staffs. And also the Prime Minister, I think on the same day, said that these 14 high mortality hospitals had to be investigated. Now that is a completely different view from they had to be denied, which had been going on for 10 years.
I mean, there's almost a case there, Ian, of you know, admitting, solving a problem, the first stage student is admitting you've got a problem, and I think that at least it, it sounds like they've done that now. I mean, similar points have been made by Action Against Medical Accidents, Chief Exec Peter Walsh. He says that these investigations are welcome, but were well overdue, that the problems of these trusts were known to the authorities well before any decision to look into them. So again, this common theme of, of people having known about these things and not acted soon enough, I think, is, is, is coming through. Well, given the high death rates, why weren't these hospitals already being looked at? They, they were in a sense. I mean, they were all being closely watched by regulators. None of them had, forgive the poor analogy, the alarm bells weren't quite as loud as they were at mid-staff, so no one was, was, was quite as alarmed as they were there. Um, but they were being looked at. I mean, mid-staff has since been put into administration, which is the ultimate sanction that an, a regulator can, can, can operate. None of these 14 are at that stage yet, and they've not had any restrictions put on them. Two of them, Buckinghamshire and Basildon and Thurrock, um, do have warning notices from the Care Quality Commission. But I think when you hear from the relatives, they would say that's, that's, you know, that's not enough and it's, and it's too late, frankly. Neil Cartmell, thank you very much indeed. 08459 455 555 Bucks Healthcare NHS Trust is not commenting uh, until the report is published, but have said we can talk to their chief executive later on today. But back in February, they said in a statement that action plans have been put in place to understand its high HSMR. That stands for Hospital Standardised Mortality Ratios. And it has seen an improvement year on year as a result. Well, we'll find out more as the day progresses. A quick look at the remaining three front pages. The Daily Mail... Win a Spitfire fly past over your home? Hang on a second, that's the most awesome prize ever. Turn to page 42. I'm turning. It's underneath Jonathan Kane's stars. Win. This is. <laughs> this is genuinely the best prize a newspaper has ever given away. I'm entering this. Win your own Battle of Britain memorial flight fly past. Plus a free poster. I'm not so bothered about the poster. The aeroplanes, the Spitfires flying over my, my home, I'll be up for that. The Queen unveiled the Bomber Command Memorial last year, and we are urging readers to, readers to help us raise enough money, hang on a minute, to protect this vital memorial. The Mail is privileged to be part of the campaign to enable the RAF... To launch our campaign, we're giving three lucky readers the chance to win a Battle of Britain Memorial Flight Flypass featuring a Lancaster, Hurricane and Spitfire over where you live. This is brilliant! Do you not think? Am I the only one that thinks this is the most amazing prize? You could have the fly past over your home or celebrate a grand day out for everyone in your hometown or village. No, just over my home. I don't want anyone else in my town or village even looking up in the air when these aeroplanes, a Lancaster, a Hurricane and a Spitfire, fly over my house. I entered, I won it, no one else can look at it. Um, okay, I don't want to donate. How to enter. For your chance to win a fly pass, collect ten... Oh, here we go. Ten tokens from those we'll print. We'll then draw at random. It can't be at random. How can it be at random? What if there's a flight, a, a flight path above your house already? What if you live near Luton Airport? Yeah, we're going to have to close Luton Airport for the day because uh, Ian Lee has won a Memorial Battle of Britain flight fly pass. And it's more important than those people going to Zakynthos on EasyJet. Sorry, guys. I genuinely think... I genuinely think that's the coolest prize of all time. I'll, I'm sorry, I'll look at the front pages a bit later on. I got suckered into that. I'm going to enter that. Let's get the travel while I enter that competition. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
If you live in Luton right near the airport, what they'll probably say is, oh, well, you live in Bedfordshire, so we'll fly it over Dunstable Downs. It says over my house. I want it over my house. And you're not allowed to look at it, Adam. Only I am. Okay. All right. I'll avert my eyes. A507, as you go through Arlsey, westbound, we're hearing reports that it's partially blocked by an accident. Just one car involved between Stockfold Road and the A6001, the Hitchin Road. It's on the railway bridge, apparently. No major delays being picked up by the speed sensors, but we did get a call from Bob about this, who said that the accident was there. If anyone else is in the area, do drop us a quick call on 08459 Wheatumstead and the High Street is shut following the building fire at the Swan Pub between Butterfield Road and East Lane is where you have the road closure, B651. Southbound M1, heavy traffic from the Luton Airport spur toward Redbourne. Clockwise M25, slow into the roadworks at the A1M. Anti-clockwise busy from the M11 back in Essex through toward Potter's Bar and the works. And then it's slow from the M1 to the M40 as well. The A1 into London looking slow at Stirling Corner. Piccadilly line tube still minor delays from Acton Town through to Heathrow and to Uxbridge because of the overrunning emergency engineering works at Finsbury Park. Northern line tube, severe delays to the bank branch. It seems to be only on the northbound side for the moment. Kennington to Camden Town because of signal failure at Euston. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. 7.47, it's Tuesday the 16th of July. I'm Ian Lee, these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Bedford Hospital will no longer provide children's accident and emergency or overnight care. Patients will be cared for by neighbouring hospitals until the fate of the Riverbank unit is decided. Police are still looking for an escaped prisoner in connection with Saturday's fatal stabbing in Little Gasden. Police say Ian McLaughlin is an extremely dangerous man. In sport, England's uh, England's women footballers narrowly avoided exit from the European Championships with a one-all draw against Russia in Sweden. Coming up, a man wanted for murder in Hertfordshire is still on the run. We'll hear more with our reporter, Craig Lewis, but at 7.47, let's get the weather with Kate Kinsella. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning when it looks like it's going to be another very hot day right the way across all three counties. Bit of high cloud around today making uh, the sunshine a little bit hazier but we are still looking at the temperature getting up as high as 29 Celsius in some parts. That's 84 degrees in Fahrenheit. Particularly warm inside of towns and cities. Now overnight another dry sticky night again. Towns and cities suffering with the temperatures around 17, 18 Celsius outside of those the more rural spots we're looking at 14 15 celsius as the minimum wednesday looking like another hot day less high cloud around and uh, more blue sky so it actually could get that little bit warmer now there's a very very slim chance of maybe an isolated shower tomorrow afternoon but like i say very very slim fairly unlikely and this warm weather set to continue right through to the weekend although by the end of the week a little only a little bit cooler because the wind switches direction that's your forecast thank you very much kate Every weekday from 12, Nick Coffer brings you... Great guests. Julian Clary. Welcome to BBC Three Counties Radio. Legendary Genesis guitarist, Steve Hackett. Supertramp frontman, Roger Hodgson. Carol Decker of Tapau fame joins me now. Great conversations. China in Your Hand is about the fragility of your dreams and that you should be careful what you wish for. Something very addictive about making people laugh is standing on stage and every few seconds getting that hit of a, of a laugh. Nick Coffer. Weekdays from 12 on BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Well, as we've been uh, reporting, there is a fire in Wheat Hampstead. Paul Scoynes is there. Paul has the latest. Paul, tell us exactly where it is and what's going on. What's going on? Uh, Ian, it's on the high street. It's at the top of the high street as you uh, uh, see, look at Wheat Hampstead. And, and, you know, the air is is still thick with the smell of smouldering wood. Water pouring down the high street from the uh, fire at the Swan Pub. And I'm afraid to say I did it a, a, a deep injustice earlier on when I said it was a, a couple of hundred years old. Try 500 years old. It dates from the 15th century. It was listed in the 1970s as a Grade 2 listed building. And uh, it, it very much is a pub at the heart of the community. Um, we, the fire, Hertfordshire Fire and Rescue were called to the high street in Wheathampstead just after six this morning. Uh, six appliances have uh, been sent and, and there are two support vehicles as well. Uh, one involving a crane and, and it does look now, uh, as I look out to the building, that the fire is out. It's it, it's certainly not billowing smoke as it was when I first arrived. It's, it's now just a few wisps and it very much looks like the fire officers are in the damping down process. The roof of the building, however, looks to have suffered a uh, sort of a great deal. It looks in, in the middle part to have collapsed in on itself, generally a sign of a very hot fire inside. Residents have described to me this as a, as a warm uh, village pub. It's something that uh, is, is at the heart of the community and, you know, a, a network of rooms, or almost a warren of rooms inside as well. This resident, Ian, told me just where it stood in the village. It's a very good eating pub for the village and also it's a regular pub for the I want- um, regulars in the area. Because a lot of people don't like to pay the prices there, and their prices are obviously normal rate. They're a little bit higher than Lake Bridge, I shouldn't say really. <laughs> so it's a good old but, village um, pub? It's a good village pub, and they do a lot of uh, fundraising, and, you know, it's just an everyday pub. And there's gonna be, it's going to be devastating for the village. It really is. Because there's people that work, and that's their, that's their second home, really. That's the worst part. Yeah. So, I mean, on the inside, what's it like inside? It's very nice. It's very old. It's, um, you know, the beams and everything. It's very traditional. And it's, you know, it's, it's what you call the old workman's pub, really. Yeah. So was it widely used by the pub, by the village? Yes. Yeah. Every day. Every day. The, the actually, landlord and his, you know, helpers do anything for you. Uh uh, Paul, uh, any idea how long it will take to clear up? Well, I mean, the uh, the fire service look to be uh, sort of in the sort of final stages of their damping down process. Obviously, there'll now uh, be an investigation, and the incident support unit are here to help as well. Just in a, as a sort of footnote, I suppose to that, the uh, everyone's spoken of how nice the uh, the landlord and landlady are here. They're actually leaving soon, anyway. Uh, the, the, there is a new owner going to take up at some point uh, in the next few weeks. So obviously, they've got a big job on their hands now when they take up their new role but at the moment the high street still very much closed and uh, and routes around with Hampstead very congested so if you are heading this way do take care. Paul Scoynes thank you very much indeed. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning this is Ian Lee BBC Three Counties Radio. Go to the Facebook page lots of you have been posting on there 
uh, in regards to what irritates you on flights. We'll go through some of those. I'm going away. I'm not a fan of flying. Some people enjoy it. Some people enjoy the the process of standing in an airport for hours, fighting over the luggage rack thing. It's not a rack, is it? What do they call it? Anyway. And then the actual act of flying is pleasurable. Not for me in the slightest. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR if you want to have your say there. Now, this is a story that's on the front page, actually, of uh, a couple of the newspapers. A man wanted for murder in a Hertfordshire village uh, on Saturday is still on the run. Ian McLaughlin was on day release from prison and had previously been convicted of two killings. 66-year-old Graham Buck was stabbed on Saturday afternoon when he answered cries for help from his neighbour. Our reporter Craig Lewis joins us in the studio. Morning, Craig. Tell us what happened on Saturday afternoon. Morning, Ian. Well, police were called to a Hertfordshire village at around 3.30pm on Saturday where a man had stabbed 66-year-old Graham Buck to death. Mr Buck had come to the aid of his neighbour when he heard crying for help. Um, The neighbour had also been attacked and had to be taken to hospital, but he's since been discharged. Police officers have released details of Ian McLaughlin, a two-time killer who was on day release from Springhill Prison in Grindon Underwood, and they want to talk to him about Mr Buck's murder. What can you tell us about Mr McLaughlin? Well, he's 55 years old, and he's been in prison for 22 years. He's serving a 25-year sentence for a previous murder. Um, But on Saturday, he was on day release from Springhill, and he hadn't been due back to the prison until 7 o'clock. Um, I spoke to Detective Inspector Martin Brunning and asked him about Ian McLaughlin. Mr McLaughlin um, has got a a history of violent offences and it's no secret that uh, my message to the public has been you must not approach him, do not speak to him, but if you see him and you recognise him from the images that we've um, put out widely across Hertfordshire, um, that we need a 999 call straight away. Um, It's our number one priority for Hertfordshire and the Bedfordshire, Cambridgeshire, Hertfordshire major crime unit to get this man into custody um, in connection with the death of Graham Buck. Uh, and I believe Mr McLaughlin's got a uh, couple of extremely serious previous convictions. Are you able to just go into some details of those? Um, well we know as, as we said earlier that he's, he has previous convictions for uh, manslaughter and is currently serving um, for a murder um, so that's indicative of, of the, the levels of violence that he's used in the past and uh, it's an absolute tragedy that somebody um, in great British public spirit has gone to the aid of, of the neighbour uh, and has died in such tragic circumstances. As you heard there, Ian, uh, Graham Buck has been described as a selfless man by his family. Mm. Um, they say they've no words to describe how much they'll miss him. Um, he was adored by his grandchildren, uh, described as an incredibly helpful man, a keen golfer. He really loved cricket and rugby, and he leaves behind his wife Karen, two sons and a daughter, two grandchildren, and a wife from a previous marriage. And his wife, Karen, said, um, I've lost my rock and I don't know what I'll do without him. Two things spring to mind. How did a convicted killer like Ian McLaughlin come to be in this village? How did he come to be on day release? Well, that is the, perhaps the biggest question yeah. at the moment. Um, as I say, a two-time killer. Uh, the Ministry of Justice has been tight-lipped on this. They won't really say anything. They won't release any more details until Mr McLaughlin's been apprehended. So that means we don't know how long he's been at Spring Hill. We don't know if he's been out on day release previously or whether this was the first time that he's been out. Uh, what police are saying is that Mr McLaughlin knew the neighbour he attacked and they believe it was motivated by money. Uh, they think he escaped with a substantial amount of money and we're actually talking thousands of pounds here. Mm. Um, interestingly, it seems the neighbour let the assailant into his house and that there was a conversation of around half an hour involving a third party who was carrying out work on the home. 
Uh, but after that, things turned sour, and at that stage, Mr Buck, who lived two doors down, heard cries, went to help his neighbour, um, and unfortunately that action tragically resulted in him losing his life. Oh dear. Do, have we got any clues where he is? Is he still likely to be in Hertfordshire? Uh, police can't say for sure. Um, he's got no links to this area. Obviously, he's been in prison for quite some time, so he hasn't really got links to anywhere in the country now. Following the incident on Saturday, the suspect caught a taxi to Watford. He was dropped off somewhere near the Horn pub in Hempstead Road. Police also have potential reports of a sighting at around 2.30pm on uh, Sunday in Bedmond, Hertfordshire. Mr McLaughlin is known as a heavy drinker and police are appealing for publicans to keep an eye out for him. In the meantime, port authorities and airports have also been put out on alert. Greg Lewis, thank you very much indeed. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you uh, want to give us a call about any of the things uh, that we're talking about this morning. I'm, I'm vaguely distracted this morning, dear listener. I, I keep going to Facebook to look for your comments on what annoys you on planes. All I can see are pictures of the monkeys, my favourite pop group. They started another tour last night. I know! I'm not there! I'm here for you. That's how much I care. No, hang on, sorry. That's how much I need to pay my mortgage. Uh, on the subject of flights, uh, Julie Morris-Smith says, uh, what irritates me? Not having enough legroom. I'm not as tall as you, Ian, is anyone? So I hope you've booked your seat in the long leg section. Can't afford it, love. Gary says, the rest of the people on it. Lol. And Debbie says, people not smelling as sweet as they should be. Also, in the person, the person in front putting the seat back, landing on your lap. It's uh, the, the politics of who owns what seat. It's a very delicate thing, isn't it? Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Some disruption on the trains. Virgin and London Midland affected by delays of up to 15 minutes. Milton Keynes Central down to London Euston. They're doing some safety checks on the line at Watford Junction. Piccadilly Line Tube still has minor delays. Acton Town to Heathrow and to Uxbridge because of the emergency engineering works at Finsbury Park earlier today. All back to normal on the Northern Line though. Arlsey and the A507 westbound reports that it's partially blocked by an accident with a car involved between Stockfold Road and the Hitchin Road, the A6001. The High Street in Wheatamstead is shut because of the fire at the Swan Pub, closed between Butterfield Road and East Lane, the B651 through there. The M1 southbound slow from the Luton Airport Spur toward Redbourne, queues on the A1 at the Black Cat Roundabout, slow on the A1M from Stevenage around to Hitchin, and then into London delays through Boreham Wood. M25 pretty slow through the works as well. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. On Facebook, Paul Clare says, uh, children, tall people and small cans of drink irritate him. Those cans of drinks are tiny. Why can't we have normal-sized drinks? On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 8 o'clock, I'm Catherine Boyle. The headlines, Bedford Mayor challenges hospital changes, Hearts Police hunt escaped prisoner and attempted abduction in Milton Keynes. BBC Three Counties Radio. Bedford's mayor says the announcement of interim measures at the town's hospital do little to allay parents' concerns. Bedford will no longer provide children's accident and emergency or overnight care. Instead, patients will go to neighbouring hospitals while the fate of the hospital's Riverbank unit is decided. Dave Hodgson's urging anyone concerned about the changes to attend a meeting at Borough Hall at 10 o'clock on Thursday morning. He says he has plenty of questions for the Hospital Trust. There's a whole lot of knock-on effects. It might be okay to to get to uh, Bedford, but if you go 20 to 30 miles to another hospital and you've got other children's care to look after, it becomes very, very difficult. And at very anxious time for the families um, and the youngest children, it becomes even more anxious for them. Wheatumstead High Street's closed this morning as fire crews tackle a substantial blaze at the Swan Pub. Paul Scoynes reports from the scene. 
Hertfordshire Fire and Rescue say they were called to the pub just after 6 o'clock this morning. Six fire appliances were dispatched, plus two support vehicles, including a crane. The fire does appear to be under control, although a lot of the roof of the Grade 2 listed 15th century building seems to have been destroyed. Smoke has stopped pouring out of it. As I look across the road, I can see two firemen from a crane hacking at the roof tiles trying to get to any of the burning embers. Police are still looking for an escaped prisoner in connection with Saturday's fatal stabbing in a Hertfordshire village. It's emerged that the 55-year-old Ian McLaughlin was on day release from Spring Hill Prison in Buckinghamshire, where he's 22 years into a 25-year murder sentence. Hertfordshire police say he's an extremely dangerous man who should not be approached. Buckinghamshire's expected to be among 14 NHS trusts criticised in a report published later. A review by the medical director of NHS England, Sir Bruce Keogh, is expected to highlight poor standards of care, medical errors and management blunders and to suggest that the scandal at Mid-Staffordshire Hospital was not a one-off. Milton Keynes police are appealing for witnesses after a man asked a 10-year-old boy to get into his car. The incident happened in Stacey Bushes at around 8.30 yesterday morning. The vehicle in question was a silver Vauxhall which was parked nearby. The man is white in his late 20s to early 30s and around 6 feet tall with green eyes and messy short brown hair. The owners of a Bedfordshire care home say they're devastated by a decision to close it by Friday. The Meppershaw care home's 70 elderly residents, many of whom have dementia, will have to be rehomed after the Care Quality Commission removed the facility's right to operate. In a statement, GA Properties Limited admit to areas of poor care highlighted by the CQC, but say they should have been given more time to turn things around. In sport, Italian police have raided the hotel rooms of Jamaican sprinters Asafa Powell and Sharon Simpson. The pair, along with the American Tyson Gay, have tested positive for the use of banned substances. And the weather, very warm today with plenty of sunshine and a top temperature of 29 degrees Celsius, that's 84 degrees Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash counties. Would you class me, Catherine, as misinformed and sexist? Today? Generally. Pretty good. Uh, no, not generally, no, why? Just, I wrote a little article for a magazine. They sent it back saying, we can't use this in. It's misinformed and sexist. Oh, which magazine was it? Misinformed and Sexist Weekly? <laughs> no, it was Women's Lib Monthly. Ah, uh, there's that. your mistake. There's my mistake. Misinformed and sexist. It was postmodern ironic. And come on, girls, you love it. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Three minutes past eight, Tuesday, the 16th of July. It's too hot. Well, I think it is. JVS will be talking about that in his show. I bet he, he loves the heat, doesn't he? He's always going off to hot places like Argentina and Frigliana and stuff. I bet he loves it. Oh, dear. Come on, last night... Right, Jonathan needs to come and share my bed with me and find out just how hot it is in my house. No, hang on, hang on a second. I, no, no. Lots coming up between now and JVS at 9 o'clock, including... The next few minutes, I'll be speaking to the uh, acting chief executive of Bedford Hospital to hear why they are reducing children's services and will be sending patients elsewhere instead. Care home is closed in Bedfordshire. 70 residents have to find somewhere else to stay by the end of the week. Well, someone we've been speaking to uh, a few times in the last week is Beryl. Yesterday, her husband moved somewhere. Well, we'll find out just how that went. And what winds you up about flying? As thousands of uh, holidaymakers prepare to take to the skies for the big summer getaway, being on a plane is not always a pleasant start to the holiday. Or maybe, maybe you're like Kyle, who's some kind of deviant that's posted on Facebook. Listen to this. The worst bit of flying is when the flight comes to an end. Flying is one of God's greatest gifts to mankind. I love it. 
Oh, Kyle, it's awful. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text to 81333, start your text 3CR, or you can give me a call 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, we were reporting outside from Bedford Hospital yesterday in an attempt to get some answers. We, we, we didn't get many answers. We got a few answers. I think more was revealed in what was not said on air yesterday than what was said. Uh, but a statement was issued. And the, uh, the truth is, the majority of services at Bedford Hospital's paediatric unit are set to close. That's following a decision to remove trainee doctors from the unit by the end of this month. The hospital say in the short term there will no longer be a children's A&E, overnight care on the Riverbank Ward, or a children's assessment unit. Children will be sent to neighbouring hospitals like Milton Keynes instead. Well, Stephen Conroy is acting chief executive of Bedford Hospital. He said yesterday he'd come on the show this morning. He stood by that, so thank you for that, Stephen. Stephen, why are you doing this? Um, as I was saying yesterday, we, we have uh, seven doctors leaving us at the end of July uh, owing to the issues that the DNU raised by our clinical supervision and we're not able to replace all those doctors um, immediately and therefore we've had to look at all the paediatric services uh, and decide which ones we can provide safely uh, and which ones that we can't provide uh, with a guaranteed safety level and therefore should be provided by another hospital. So uh, are you saying that in recent times then those uh, the uh, specific wards we're talking about they weren't being operated safely? No they're they're, they're safe now because we have the the number of doctors that we need on the site but when we lose seven at the end of July that leaves a gap. We're recruiting to fill that gap but we can't recruit quickly enough uh, to get those doctors in post by the 1st of August. So the Children's a the Overnight Care on Riverbank, Children's Assessment Unit, th- this is a temporary closure? I, I very much hope so. Riverbank is a much-loved service I know locally, um, and our nurses and doctors are really committed to providing the service. So um, if we can provide those services uh, you know, soon, th- then we will do. But we, what we know is that we need to tackle the underlying issues. Uh, we've had trouble recruiting doctors over the past couple of years, and we don't want to set up the services again you know, sometime in the autumn, only to find that we, when doctors leave again, that we're in the same position. So we want to look at how we work with other local hospitals, Milton Keynes and other hospitals, to provide uh, more services with more doctors. So j- just to clarify, you are hoping that at some point the children's A&E, the overnight care on Riverbank and the children's assessment unit will all open again? Uh, this is what we want to look at. I hear the mayor saying... Y- you say uh, you want to look on. at. Will, will, do you want them to open again? Uh, absolutely. The, 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 the Riverbank staff are very keen to keep that. All, all three of them, well, the, the A&E, is, the Riverbank and the Children's Assessment Unit, you want all three of them to open again? That's what we're looking at. What I'm saying, though, is that if we can't provide those services in a sustainable way on our own, we need to work with another hospital. They're not going to open again, are they? The important thing is that the GPs doing it have to agree what is sustainable and what they want to buy from us. So we want to provide it. But it has to be sustainable. They're not the GPs gonna, have to want to buy it. I put it to you, Stephen, that they're, they're not going to open again. That once you've closed them, it's going to be harder to reopen them. Uh, well, we've still got all the nursing staff, though. Uh, we're recruiting the medical staff, so that option is, is fully open as far as I'm concerned. When are you hoping uh, to have them reopened? I, as you said earlier on your show, I, I'm not going to be able to say this morning. We're starting work on the S- planning three on months? Thursday with the health Six of the committee. I would hope so. Um, three months. We, you hope, to, you uh, hope uh, to have them open in three months. You must well, have set yourself a, a time goal, something to work towards. Yeah. Well, there's, there's a couple of milestones, aren't there? We start planning on Thursday. Uh, we're re- recruiting staff. 
the trainees uh, have certain times that where they uh, go through their rotors. Um, so all the staff could be, all the trainees could be back by next March. Uh, if we can start services before March, because we have doctors in post, then we could do that. But it all has to be sustainable. I don't want to start services for a few months. I need to lose them again. So you're so saying you're saying that it, it, you're hoping to have them opened before next March, but otherwise those three services will be opened again next March, eight months away. Well, as I say, I can't guarantee that. That depends on whether the deanery agree with what we're doing with it, with the trainees is sufficient, and whether all the trainees come back. What uh, are parents do, expected to do? Um, well, I, I recognise this as a, a really anxious and worrying time for parents who use the unit. Uh, you know, I'm, I deeply regret having to be in this position of, of making these changes to the service. What are parents me- meant to do? Well, for very urgent, uh, you know, accidents and illnesses, then you phone 999 and the ambulance will take you to the nearest hospital. Um, 50 to 60 kids a day, I think, at Bedford Hospital gets in, in the uh, A&E department. Can the other hospitals cope with that? Yes, all the other hospitals and the GPs have been involved in the planning over the last two weeks of these services, and they all are very confident they can take those children. If I turn up, though, if I, if I turn up with my little boy, he's had an accident, I don't know that the kids' A&E department's closed, I turn up, w- w- would you turn him away? Um, it, it would depend on the condition of the child. We have a duty of care, so if a child turned up who was, uh, was sick, uh, our A&E consultants could treat that child uh, and then transfer them by ambulance to another hospital. Um, but so you, you wouldn't turn a child away that, that, that turned up, that was rushed there by a, by a concerned parent? We, we couldn't turn a child away, but we, we, they would be better to go to another hospital in the first place where there's a full paediatric backup. Um, so we, our any doctors certainly could ha- help that child stabilise them, but then they would need to transfer to the, the next nearest hospital. The maternity unit, what's going to happen to that? Maternity unit, no changes. In the long term, that's going to stay open? As far as I'm aware, it's going to stay open. It's a a big service. Uh, It's well utilised. Um, all the other surrounding maternity services are very busy. It, it just uh, if, if a baby is born that, that it needs specialist care, you wouldn't be able to cope with it, would you? Yes, we can. Um, so our paediatricians cover all the services in the hospital, the, the, the Riverbank Ward A&E and the neonatal unit on maternity. Um, we've, we're making sure the neonatal unit is fully staffed with the doctors that we have. Um, any babies that are born who need to be resuscitated or need special care can be dealt with in the hospital. If they've got extra special needs, then there's a system across the east of England where babies would be transferred to a, a more specialist centre, uh, and that can be normally done within a couple of hours. So the babies would be transferred somewhere, potentially? Already, very sick babies uh, would be transferred. We, we have a level uh, of, of uh, neonatal support that, that can treat most pe- babies who need resuscitation or support after birth. But in cases where children are very ill, and sometimes you you know what the, you can't tell what before the baby comes out uh, what their needs are, then there's a a system between all the hospitals in the east of England uh, that the sickest babies would be transferred to the most specialist centres. How did you let it get so bad, Stephen? How, how, how did you let this happen? Well, this is a problem that I feel responsible for and then the Trust feels responsible for. We, well, you, we you are the acting chief executive, so you, you well, do I'm, have to I'm, accept a responsibility, don't you? I'm, I'm, I'm the accountable officer and ultimately it's my responsibility, but I also have the responsibility to find out what went on and to sort it out. Um, and I explained yesterday that the uh, the deanery ca- gave us a f- final warning in May, uh, asked us to put in special measures and, and uh, stringent measures to support junior doctors. Um, 
and while that was working well for a while uh, one of our doctors didn't respond uh, in time to, to support a trainee uh, and the deanery decided there and then to uh, withdraw the trainees at very short notice. So you, you blew it then? You, you had the opportunity to turn this around and you didn't and the knock-on effect is that the whole local community is going to suffer? Well, that, that's that's uh, that's a one-way point there. Yeah, I can't. That's that's right. Um, we, so you, we you admit you blew it. <clears throat> we had the chance. Um, you know, the, the clinical supervision didn't work. My job now is to find out whether that was an isolated incident related to to one clinician, whether that's a departmental issue, whether there's something more wrong across the organisation. I mean, your your listeners will be aware of the reports you, you've been had on this morning about hospitals who've got deep-seated problems. Uh, I need to know, is this a, a one-off particular issue or is this a more fundamental issue? Um, um, you know, that, that's what I've got to find out. That's the inquiry I need to, to, to take place. Why have you uh, found it so hard to get trainees to come to your hospital? There are rumours and accusations of bullying there from senior members of staff. Yeah, so we've never found it hard to get trainees in the past. Um, but but you're finding it hard now? Well, since these events, clearly people are worried about what's the future. Is the there unit. bullying at your hospital? Not that I'm aware of. Not, I mean, I'm, Have you heard rumours of bullying at your hospital? Well, we did a, an audit was done this summer um, by one of the junior doctors that looked at bullying, uh, and there were certainly some areas for concern in that. And that's, that's so there the was bullying. There were, there were concerns by trainees that they weren't getting the full support. I mean, it's very hard to describe whether that was bullying or not, but there was certainly more work that our clinicians can do to support their juniors. So that would imply... What, what was the problem? If it wasn't specific bullying... But, but trainees were made to feel uncomfortable and told they were being emotional, weren't they, if they, if they flagged up any complaints or concerns? Well, I, I think that's what one or two of the trainees have said about the paediatric service. And so is that why, why the trainees are staying away? Word has got out that there is, a, that there is a, a, a bully, at least, or maybe several bullies at, at Bedford Hospital, and they don't want to work there. Well, I think there are a couple of things that would affect the views of trainees. One, one would be the experience of the trainees, and the second would be what's the future of the service? Is it, you know, it's a small yeah. department. Is but the future of the service is, 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 is in question because the trainees uh, are flagging up concerns. Is that because trainees have been bullied and they're telling other trainees, you don't want to go to Bedford, there's, there's someone there who's not very nice? Well, I'm, I'm, I've no idea what other trainees say to other trainees. Have you not spoken uh, to them? We, we've agreed not to speak to the trainees over the last few weeks. While they've been feeling under pressure, uh, it was felt unhelpful if we talked to the trainees directly. So all the conversations have been with the deanery. However, I can tell you uh, that two of the trainees who are being taken away from the hospital have applied for jobs uh, in Riverbank. So you've not uh, spoken so to the trainees who flagged up these concerns? Personally, I haven't. The that seems incredible to me. If they've got concerns about your hospital and you are responsible for that hospital, surely you should have, with a, a mediator or someone, you should have spoken to them to find out what, what their problem was. We agreed with the deanery it would be helpful for the chief exec or the medical director to talk directly with the trainees about this. So the, the happy Why would you agree to that? It's your hospital. These people are, uh, are uncomfortable working in your hospital. Are you not curious as to find out why that is? I'm very curious, and that's why we're going to be doing a fundamental review to find out what's been going on. But the deanery asked us specifically not to talk to the trainees directly. Have you spoken that would be to... more intimidating for them. Have you spoken to the local school of paediatrics who deal with trainees? Yes, I've speak, spoken to them a number of times. And what have they told you about, about uh, the accusations of bullying and, and being, uh, feeling f threatened? 
Well, they, they've told me what the trainees said. Um, I've agreed that any form of poor supervision or impact on their curriculum or any sense of being intimidated is completely unacceptable. Uh, if, poor, if poor clinical supervision leads to a risk of patient safety, uh, I fully recognise that and I'm putting in, a, you know, putting in a fundamental review and I'll be putting in a, an action plan and I will take personal responsibility uh, this time for making sure that action plan is properly implemented. One uh, senior consultant has been suspended for uh, not responding four times to an urgent call. If you find uh, issues and accounts of bullying, will you suspend those people as well? I mean, you know, I can't predict what we're going to find in the future, but there has to be accountability. Um, supervision is clinically led. Um, I th believe we've got over 100 trainees in the hospital, uh, and I believe that most of that, that clinical supervision is fine. Uh, the dean uh, has told me that our trainees uh, and our supervision in maternity is excellent. Um, so we clearly have some, some good training and supervision, and I want to make sure that all that training and supervision is at the highest standard. Well, Stephen Conroy, you said you'd come on this morning. I appreciate you did. That's the acting chief executive at Bedford Hospital. Uh, in a few minutes, we'll speak to Ray McKeating, who set up the Facebook group Save Our Riverbank Ward. But before that, let's get the travel with Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Cheers, Ian. Virgin Trains. 15-minute delays Milton Keynes to London Euston because of safety checks at Watford Junction. It's affecting your services for London Midland through there as well. Virgin have got other problems off toward the West Midlands. Signalling problems at Birmingham New Street, so if you're making a journey up that way, further delays to be expected. Piccadilly Line services are back to normal after the problems earlier at Finsbury Park. On the roads in Arlesey, the A507 westbound, we have reports it's partially blocked by an accident with a car with Stopfold Road toward Hitchin Road being where the accident is. And the High Street in Wheatamstead still closed off because of the fire at the Swan Pub between Butterfield Road and East Lane. Also slow on the A1 at the Black Cat Roundabout, busy into London on the A1 through Boreham Wood, M25 delays through the roadworks and anti-clockwise round to the M40. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. 8.19, it's Tuesday the 16th of July, I'm Ian Lee, these are your headlines on uh, BBC Three Counties Radio. Bedford's Mayor says the announcement of interim measures at the town's hospital do little to allay parents' concerns. Police are still hunting the escaped prisoner, Ian McLaughlin, who's wanted in connection with Saturday's fatal stabbing in a Hertfordshire village. In sport, Great Britain's Chris Froome holds an overall lead of over four minutes as the Tour de France resumes today following a rest day. Coming up, we'll have more on the closure of Mepishaw Care Home. BBC Three Counties Radio. BBC Three Counties Radio, your local stories. I have a friend who runs a hairdresser's and one of her members of staff is stealing the takings. So what would the advice from the police be? We'll find out, Sally. Your local life. Yesterday we were talking about the problem of shoplifting. So what can you do if you have staff who, um, to put it eloquently, are a bit light-fingered? Your local radio station. The one thing which seems to actually solve the problem for them, they all said, was I put in CCTV cameras. This is... BBC Three Counties Radio. Jonathan, whoa, hey! Like someone just did a scanner song. Jonathan Vernon-Smith, lovely to see you. Good morning, nice to have you back in the studio yeah. in the flesh. In the, it was nice being outside yesterday, because it was, it, was, it was quite warm, quite pleasant doing an outside broadcast mm. from a glamorous car park. But, 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 but. What? It is too hot. No, don't, don't Where's God's it. thermostat? Let's just turn it down three degrees. <laughs> Shall we? <laughs> silly. Can we? What's wrong with you? Come and sleep in my bed with me. No, really? Please. <laughs> and see... <laughs> 
<laughs> and see how uncomfortable it is. <laughs> I was. Haven't you got a fan? I don't know where it is. We've got one somewhere. I don't well, whose phone's that? For goodness <laughs> sake, you're unprepared. Then you've got. It was lovely. I had two night. fans on me last night. <laughs> <laughs> was was one of them Melvin? <laughs> <laughs> you're a nazi. You are a nazi. It was. By the way, re, re, retweet it again, and because it's the audio boo of Melvin yesterday phoning up JVS. So I've heard before he gets very excited. He was super excited. He was very rude to me yesterday. He called you a nazi. He called me an unemployment hating nazi. <laughs> This is a man who's, you know, my programme last last year got him a new mattress, <laughs> a new washing machine, £500. I didn't know that. Yes. He phones up and calls me a bad, bad man. Yep. Says I'm an unemployment-hating <laughs> nazi. Whatever that is. Some people thought he was calling me an un- unemployment-hating Nancy. <laughs> it was it was wonderful, because there was nothing you could do. He was just completely off yeah. on one, and you, you tried to step in, and it, he had his facts wrong as well, which was which made it so great. What he was accusing you of was not true, which is always wonderful. But he's just... I thought he was going to explode at one point. <laughs> he was just going higher and higher and louder and louder. be a big bang. And then, and then, of course, that wonderful sound of the phone clicking click. down. Wonderful. Well, thanks. I'm pleased you enjoyed that <laughs> moment of discomfort for me yesterday. You're talking about the heat today. I certainly am. Coming up on this morning's big phone-in. Do you love or hate this hot weather? Hate it. The M25 near Potter's Bar is melting and train speeds have been reduced to protect the boiling hot rails. Today, temperatures look set to reach 29 degrees and the heat wave is predicted to last until at least next week. Lovely jubbly. The Head of Health Protection at Public Health England, Professor Virginia Murray, says we need to review our heatwave plan to make sure we all stay safe. Well, today we're expected to reach a level three heat alert. Mm, Did you hear about this? No. Do you know, if we have a level four, it yeah. means they have to hold an emergency cabinet meeting. Wow, to discuss the heat. Yes, exactly. Um, but there are lots of people, like you, Hello. who I've heard, mm. having a bit of a moan now about this weather. Too hot. No, it's not too hot. This is lovely. Can't you feel your bones drying out? Why are you looking at me like that? I don't that? know what that means. Well, the, we've had a, a horrible, long, cold winter. Yep. We've had moisture in our bones. Yep. We've all been cold for too long. It's as if we're all drying out. Why are you looking at me like... Honestly, I feel as if I'm drying out. It's oh, lovely. Your, your enthusiasm makes me nauseous. It's just beautiful. Last night, you know, you get in bed, got a couple of fans on you, uh, lying on top of the bed. Beautiful. Last night, I sat out on my luxury terrace, having a nice little drink. Nine o'clock at night. Oh, the temperature was just perfect. How can anyone not like this weather? If I want to be hot, I'll go abroad. But it's nice that we don't have to. I'm only having one holiday to Frigiliana this year. <laughs> There's a recession on, haven't you heard? But I feel as if I don't need to go to Frigiliana oh. with this heat. Well, that's really exciting. From nine this morning, do you love or hate this hot weather? I want your views. And can I find anyone else, or is Ian the only person that hates this there weather? There will be sensible people out there, Jonathan, who agree with me. You reckon? Yeah. From nine this morning, 08459 do you love or hate this hot weather? Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. <clears throat> Sorry, Jonathan said something to me very, very rude before I opened the microphone. I know, isn't that childish? 
Uh, we're talking about Bedford Hospital's paediatric unit as the majority of services are to close. There will no longer be a children's A&E, overnight care on the Riverbank Ward, or a children's assessment unit. Uh, we spoke to Stephen Conroy, who is acting chief executive at Bedford Hospital. Listening to that uh, was uh, Ray McKeating. He set up the Facebook group Save Our Riverbank Ward. Uh, Ray, what do you make on these latest developments? Uh absolute scandalous it's a disgrace uh, I was shaking my head pretty much all the way through that interview uh, I don't believe a word he says actually uh, after the interview had finished here I, I got my chance to confront him in the car park about some of the changes what did you say to him well Ian look I needed to remind him that they, these guys are a 24-7 operation they need to have the foresight of three, six, nine, twelve, one year two year plans they cannot let a simple matter of staff supervision close a ward. Um, two, two or three of their senior consultants are due to retire this year and he's saying it takes them six months to go through a recruitment process. These guys have known, these consultants, have known of their retirement date for years. So why hasn't he started the recruitment process earlier, sooner, and have these staff in place so that we, we don't have to lose these junior doctors. The funding's there, uh, and unfortunately this is just uh, a blatant act uh, of a cap service that's being uh, run down purposely uh, to forge uh, a merger with other local hospitals. Stephen Conroy said that he hoped to have all of the services back within a few months, uh, possibly March next year. What, what do you think about that? Do you think they will come back? No, the, ser- the services aren't coming back. Uh, if if you if you're in the position that he's in, you can you can you should be able to guarantee that that there was there was no certainty in his answers to you whatsoever. It was uh, if I had my way. You do have your way. You're in the hot seat, mate. You need to sort yourself out. It's it's your it's your job to make sure this happens. So you should confidently be in a position to say yes. These services will be coming back. It's a short-term measure, and we're actually in the process at the moment of putting a plan of action together. He's not doing none of that. He's saying all the things he should say uh, about a service that's been purposely run down and that will be uh, that has moved away and won't be coming back. You giving up, Ray? No, not at all. Uh, I was. Uh, even more so inspired last night. I think uh, when I launched the page on Friday, um, there was there was really good feedback, but it was uh, some some feedback that was on the fence. And I don't think a lot of the people following the page believed that it would actually happen. Yesterday, when it did happen, I actually released the news 11:30, a couple of hours uh, bef- before it was actually released uh, locally, and there was there was uproar. And then when it was confirmed. Um, the, the Facebook page over a hundred thousand hits, thousands and thousands of comments from disgruntled families uh, around Bedford, who I, th- I think perhaps slightly naively thought that uh, it, it wasn't a done deal, that it would never happen. Uh, I was actually shocked uh, from the announcement to, to find that the whole of Child's A and E, Children's A and E, would close. Uh, it's shocking to to know that uh, a family. Uh, could have a child with a broken arm playing football on a Saturday morning and they go into their local children's A&E and uh, are asked to, to leave. Uh, Ray, what's, what is the Facebook page so that people w- can uh, have a look at it? 
Uh, the Facebook page is www.facebook.com forward slash Save Our Riverbank Ward. Uh, I think as, as many people as, as you can get on there, like the page. You can stay up to date with all the comments. There's, there's an online petition there so that people can fill in. There, I'm keeping the page up to date with uh, all the latest news and all the goings on and anything that I can find out to tip them off on. Uh, but unfortunately, and this is the start of, of a really bad time for Bedford Hospital and this won't be the only service to go. Ray, I appreciate your time this morning and uh, hopefully you got to say to Mr Conroy what, uh, Conroy what you wanted to say. So, kids services, most of the paediatric services uh, were at Bedford Hospital closing. No children's A&E, overnight care on the Riverbank Ward or children's assessment unit. They're gone. Okay, They'll be gone at the end of the month. Uh, Mr Conroy, the acting chief exec, says he hopes to have them back up and running by March. Again, I think he said more by what he didn't say. Can I, can I put... This is me speaking. It's not BBC, Fisher BBC Land. They won't, come, they won't be coming back, will they? They won't be coming back, those services. It will be harder and more expensive to bring them back, surely, than to maintain them now. I hope I'm proved wrong. I hope in March, hope March the 1st, uh, if I'm still here... Uh, I am, I've got a contract. But I hope March the 1st we're doing a fantastic... We've got, we've got Justin Dealey outside Bedford Hospital. We're celebrating the return of the children's A&E and we've got balloons and, and it's wonderful news. I bet we're not. Oh, wait, 459 555 Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. As far as we know, the A507 in Alsea looks clear now. Westbound, the speed sensors aren't picking up any delays. We did have a call about an accident earlier between Stopfold Road and the Hitchin Road, but it looks like things are on the move through there. Of course, if we're wrong, do give us a call 08459 455 555. We have the problems in Wheatamstead, the B651 along the High Street shut because of the fire at the Swamp Pub between Butterfield Road and East Lane. The A1 slow at the Black Cat roundabout with queues down toward the Barford Bypass. Busy then on the A1M from Hitchin towards Stevenage and slow on the A1 into London, Boreham Wood from Stirling Corner to Mill Hill Circus. The A10 looking slow in Chesant from College Road toward Winston Churchill Way. M1 southbound, it's heavy traffic from the Luton Airport Spur to Redbourne Junction 10 to 9. Then the M25, it's slow both ways through the roadworks this morning. Anti-clockwise is also busy from the M1 round to the M40. And on the trains, 15-minute delays for Virgin and London Midland Milton Keynes down toward Euston because of safety checks at Watford Junction. And if you're going the other way with Virgin, off toward the Midlands, 15-minute delays between Birmingham New Street and Coventry because of signalling problems at Birmingham New Street. And even better news... He lied. As you go into London, the Northern Line, severe delays once again on the Bank Branch. They've had another signal failure at Euston, so that's causing disruption for northbound trains Kennington up toward Camden Town. Tickets are being taken on local buses there. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning with the headlines. I'm Catherine Boyle. Bedford's mayor says the announcement of changes to children's services at the town's hospital do little to allay parents' concerns. Police are still hunting the escaped prisoner Ian McLaughlin, who's wanted in connection with Saturday's fatal stabbing in a Hertfordshire village. And Buckinghamshire's expected to be among 14 NHS trusts criticised for poor standards of care and management in a report published later. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Italian police have raided the hotel of Jamaican sprinters Asafa Powell and Sharon Simpson after both tested positive for a banned stimulant. It was announced yesterday the pair had both used the same drug, while American Tyson Gay was also found to have used drugs. 
The Bedford athlete Nigel Levine says it may be too early for him to compete against the world's best 400 metres for now. Levine qualifying for the World Championships in Moscow next month after achieving the qualifying time at the British Championships on Sunday. Levine won the race, but he says he needs to be realistic about his international prospects. I'm going to be very realistic to myself and not be negative, but it's not going to happen this year. Mm. I'm not I'm not on that level yet, but hopefully I can give the number one guys a very good race. In football, England's women narrowly avoided exit from the European Championships with a one-all draw against Russia in Sweden. They now have to beat France in their final group game to stand any chance of qualifying for the latter stages. And there are more local friendly matches tonight. The MK Dons are away to Brackley, Stevenage hosts QPR, Wickham are at Staines and Luton travel to Hitchin. Finally, the Tour de France resumes today with Great Britain's Chris Froome in possession of the yellow jersey and outright lead going into stage 16. Froome leads by over four minutes overall and says he won't change stage wins in fact, he'll uh, prioritise defending that lead. Obviously, there are a lot of very eager races in the peloton left with a lot still to prove, a lot of winning to do. For us, it's, it's about keeping the yellow jersey and uh, riding in, in whatever way we can to, to best defend that yellow jersey. I don't think we're necessarily on a mission to try and win every mountain top finish. The yellow jersey has to come first. And that's your latest news and sport. I'll be back with more at nine o'clock. Text 81333. Start your message with 3CR. Text will be charged at the standard network rate. BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm booking a haircut today. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. The last 30 minutes we'll have your reaction to Bedford Hospital, uh, to the care home that's closed, and also finding out what irritates you when you go flying. But before that, a report into the quality of care and treatment provided by Buckinghamshire NHS Trust will be published later today. The mortality review by the NHS Medical Director for England, Professor Sir Bruce Keogh, will look at 14 NHS trusts and foundation trusts in England that have persistently uh, had higher than uh, normal death rates. Peter Walsh is the Chief Executive of the charity Action Against Medical Accidents and joins me now. Good morning, Peter. Why is Buckinghamshire NHS Trust being looked at? Well, Buckinghamshire is one of 14 trusts with uh, consistently higher than the national average of mortality. Um, so if you, if you look at those trusts with higher than average mortality, over the period being looked at, uh, approximately 13,000 more deaths occurred than one would have expected for the national average. So whilst it's not a precise figure... Um, this underlines what we and other people have been saying for some time, that the scandal we all heard about at Stafford Hospital wasn't a completely isolated incident. Uh, there are a number of other hospitals with problems, uh, including these 14 with high mortality rates. 13,000 uh, b- uh, unnecessary deaths. Yes. That's an incredible figure, isn't it? Yes, it's not a precise figure, no. uh, but it's 13,000 more than you would expect. So you can take it uh, that there will have been uh, a considerable number of avoidable deaths at those hospitals. And in fact, if you spread the network wider and included all NHS hospitals, it would be even higher than that. Tens of thousands of avoidable deaths. So this review is welcome, uh, but it's, it's well overdue. Uh, what should have happened a long time ago when these mortality rates were first known about is there should have been a more proactive 
uh, approach to actually going in to, to places like Buckinghamshire and finding out what on earth was happening. That's exactly the mistake that was made with Stafford. People didn't take the warning signal that a high mortality rate sends that there could be a problem with patient safety. High mortality, have I got this right? High mortality rate doesn't necessarily mean poor care though, does it? Not on its own. It's an indicator that there is uh, a potential very serious problem. Uh, and particularly when it's consistently higher than the average, and if there are other signals that things might not be as they should be as well, such as uh, co patient complaints, a rash of claims, uh, or failure to do things like implement life-saving patient safety alerts that are issued to the NHS. Any one of these should be taken as a warning signal that sparks an investigation. The trouble with this review, whilst it's welcome, it's, it should have been conducted uh, years ago. The high mortality rates have been known about for years. There also being other indicators with some of these hospitals. And that's what we've got to get right, both the culture in the hospitals themselves and the safety net of a regulator, the Care Quality Commission, being fit for purpose and proactively stepping in when there's the first signal of a potential problem. Can we trust the Care Quality Commission? Because they've, um, you know, had a bit of a rough ride recently, haven't they? Are they, they, are they really the best people? Well, it's an understatement to say they haven't had the best of starts, but they have got a new management team in place, and they're consulting at the moment on a different approach to regulation. The wake-up call we had from Stafford and this report, I think, will add to the pressure and be an incentive for it to get its act together. And as I say, it shouldn't be the case, as is up to now been the, uh, the culture, that there has to be incontrovertible evidence that there's a serious problem at a hospital before people take a close look at it. It should be whenever there's the first indication of potentially serious problems. That's the way to have uh, a robust safety net and to save lives. Peter Walsh, Chief Executive of the Charity Action Against Medical Accidents. Thank you very much. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's a hospital and healthcare themed show. The last couple have been. It's not through planning, it's just simply the way these things have worked out. Back to Bedford Hospital. As you've heard, it was announced yesterday, the majority of services at Bedford Hospital's paediatric unit are set to close. That's following a decision to remove trainee doctors from the unit by the end of this month. There's more to this story. There's more to this story, and boy, oh boy, we're going to do our best to find out what that is. The hospital say in the short term there will no longer be a children's A&E, overnight care on their Riverbank ward, or a children's assessment unit. Kids will be sent to neighbouring hospitals like Milton Keynes and said, if you're a parent that has used or potentially could use the Bedford Hospital, how does that make you feel? You worried? A bit concerned? 08459 455 555. We all like to think that uh, if we've got children, that there's a hospital near us that we could take them to quickly in an emergency and that's good and reliable well our reporter justin Dealey has been there all morning justin who have you been speaking to been talking to concerned parents here because it, it is a long journey for them as you mentioned about using your local hospital here in bedford of course the nearest now for these services would be milson Keynes or northampton if you've got a sick child that's a long way to go earlier i spoke to shelly burgoyne she was here with her son and this is what happened well shelly we're outside the unit today um put your son with you tell us more about your son um this is ronnie he's in today um having actually a circumcision today he keeps getting a lot of infections um down below and he becomes quite poorly with them um, so he's coming just to have it all sorted today. And how old's Ronnie? He's four. Is he nervous? He must be. 
Well, I don't know. He's been laughing and joking about the Magic Queen today. <laughs> and you've got his mum with him. Yeah. So, obviously, you've heard about the news. This is going to have a massive impact on your life, isn't it? Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, a hell of a lot. Um, obviously, if Ronnie gets poorly, I don't, tra- I don't drive, so I'm going to have to travel further. Um, and I can't risk to do that by myself. I'm going to have to just call an ambulance, which I think in the long run is going to cause his a, a lot more money, you know? Yeah. Um, it's going to be, be quite bad for us. I do have a two-year-old as well. She's been quite poorly, but... Yeah, it's going to be bad for mums, I think, out there. You have been using this unit now for, for quite some time. How have you found the service when you've been coming here? It's fantastic. I think it's one of the best wards on the actual hospital, to be honest. The way they treat and care for the little ones, and it's, it's going to be missed, that's for sure. Added stress to you as a parent, all you want is, is for your children to, to be safe and to be healthy. When you heard the news yesterday, can you just describe your emotions for us? When you heard it, it was going to be going. Certainly, most of the services here going. I was angry, to be honest. My first thing was angry. And then I just thought of, not just myself, because my husband can drive, but all the single mums out there, people with no transport, it, it's upsetting to be putting the children at risk to be going 30, 30 minutes down the road to get them cared for. Tough day for you. Best of luck for yourself and Ronnie. Thank you very much. Thank you. Justin, have you been speaking to anyone else out there? Absolutely. I'm joined live now by uh, Catherine Thorne. We're outside Bedford Hospital. Catherine, you have two children. They've both been using the paediatric services here at Bedford Hospital. Can you tell us more about that, first of all? Yes, my daughter Sophie has got um, a hereditary condition um, which has required quite a bit of emergency treatment from Riverbank Ward in the last year. Um, my other son, my son Jack, he had a planned operation last year as well. I was actually in the position at one point last year where I had one of them in emergency care um, and one of them you know, in the, the assessment unit for a planned operation. And I was literally running backwards and forwards across the ward. Um, and we still, we're quite regular visitors to Riverbank Ward. The last few months luckily haven't been too bad. Um, but I know they're there. They're my safety net. So when you heard the news yesterday, we thought it was coming yesterday morning, it was confirmed yesterday afternoon, when you heard the news about these services closing, how did that make you feel? Absolutely gutted, to be honest, and betrayed. I just can't believe that a town of this size is no longer going to have a paediatric unit and no emergency care for a child, and as a parent, that's, that's really worrying, because you've now been faced with a sick child, an emergency child, and you've now got a long journey to get to where you need to go, and it... I don't think it's unreasonable to expect that your hometown has a local hospital that you can take your child to when you need it. Stephen Conroy, the acting chief executive of the hospital, talking live to Ian just after 8 o'clock this morning. He said he's hoping to get all the services reopened by next March. Be honest, do you believe him? No, absolutely not. If he can't keep the ward open now as it is with all the people already there and just recruit a few more to, to cover that supervision, if that really is the issue, which I don't believe it is, I don't see how now you've got, what, eight months till March and you're closing a ward down. It's not going to reopen. I don't believe it ever will. You see, the fascinating thing is, just lastly, every parent I've spoken to, and again, I'm sure you'll back this up, all say to me, the service, the staff have all been absolutely fantastic. So we're not talking about services that are closing because the staff have been dreadful. Everyone I talk to says how great it is here. No, when the chips are down as a parent and your child is sick, you feel vulnerable, you feel scared, you feel worried. It can be quite isolating as well, but the staff there do the absolute best they can. Um, They saved my daughter's life and I'll be forever grateful for that and it was one of the most worrying horrific years of my life last year and bits of that are still ongoing and just knowing they're there um, I mean everybody from the lady who brings the lunch in on the Thomas train lunch trolley um, the staff who work in the playroom the consultants the nurses the students from um, the University of Bedfordshire everybody 
just was so supportive and made such a massive difference to me as a parent and therefore to my daughter's recovery getting emotional now thank you very yeah, much for your time <laughs> thank really you appreciate it that was uh, Catherine Thorne there joining us live outside the hospital and again I need to make this point again I made it to, to the acting chief exec early before he spoke to you I said look every single parent I'm talking to has only got good words to say about the service they've received which, mm. which makes it even worse because people are going to miss this so much here in Bedford you're right, Justin. We're, we're hearing lots of stories on that. Thank you very much, Justin Dilly, outside Bedford Hospital. Uh, Stephen in Milton Keynes has uh, texted it on this. Where do all these extra ambulances come from to ship the children around? Lots of questions. We will be following this story. I know there's a meeting on Thursday night uh, for concerned people, and I think that uh, various bods from the hospital will be going as well. We'll certainly be uh, following that and probably talking about that on Friday. But we will be following this story very closely. If you want to have your say, 08459 455555. Right. It's, oh, it's a quarter to nine already. Where on earth has this morning gone? Let's go and get the travel with Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Closure still in force in Wheatamstead along the High Street. The beat 651 closed off because of the fire at the Swan Pub. It is shut between Butterfield Road and East Lane. The A1 looking slow at the Black Cat roundabout. So is the Barford Bypass. The A1M is busy from Hitchin at Junction 8 towards Stevenage at Junction 7. And then in toward London you've got queues on the A1 through Boreham Wood. Coming down towards Stirling Corner. And it's pretty busy at Mill Hill Circus as well. The A10 is looking slow in Chesant from the College Road Junction toward Winston Churchill Way and down to the M25. The A41 in Aylesbury slow moving at the Woodlands Roundabout. Leston Road in Leighton Buzzard looking slow at the Hotcliffe Street Roundabout. And in Dunstable you have a patch of slow moving traffic from the Ashton Middle School toward the A505. The M1 southbound still slow from Luton Airport toward Redbourne. The M25 stop start through the roadworks in both directions. And anti-clockwise it's slow from the M1 through toward the M40. On the trains you have 15 minute delays for Virgin and London Midland at Milton Keynes to Euston because of safety checks at Watford Junction. 15 minute delays for Virgin Birmingham New Street to Coventry because of signalling problems at Birmingham. And now in London, good news once again because they've sorted the second signalling problem on the Northern Line. So everything running pretty much normal again between Kennington and Camden Town. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. Right, 8.46, it's Tuesday, the 16th of July. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Bedford's mayor says the announcement of interim measures at the town's hospital do little to allay parents' concerns. Police are still hunting the escaped prisoner, Ian McLaughlin, who's wanted in connection with Saturday's fatal stabbing in a Hertfordshire village. In sport, Great Britain's Chris Froome holds an overall lead of over four minutes as the Tour de France resumes following uh, today following a rest day. Coming up, we'll have more on the closure of Meppershaw Care Home, but before that, let's get the weather. Here's Kate Kinsella. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, it's going to be another very warm day across all three counties. The temperature's steadily rising already. Outside, we're looking at temperatures at the moment ranging between 17 and 18 Celsius. Some parts uh, down in West Hertfordshire, we're looking at 18, 19, so it's already very warm. Bit of high cloud around, making the sunshine a bit hazy, but eventually we're looking at temperatures getting up to 28, 29 Celsius. Perhaps in the odd urban area, it could actually get 
get up towards 30, 31 Celsius. So another very warm day. Another warm night to follow as well. Quite a sticky night. Minimum temperature down to 14 Celsius, 57 degrees in Fahrenheit. That's away from any town or city. So it's going to be that little bit warmer and a little more uncomfortable. Tomorrow, a similar day. Plenty of sunshine. Again, temperatures rising less in the way of high cloud tomorrow. So it could actually get a little warmer. 30, 31 Celsius. And these temperatures staying with us for the next couple of days. Getting a little, only a little cooler for the end of the week. But that's only because the wind changes direction. We're still hanging on to the sunshine. That's your forecast. Thank you very much. got a problem with a company, a council or an organisation, there's one man you should come and speak to. You've got a problem with a mattress, I gather. Tell me all about it without naming any company name. Jonathan Vernon-Smith. Well, every time she tried to book, the trip was cancelled because of adverse weather. The JVS show fights for your rights and tackles your consumer problems. Just send the receipt off and you'll get the cheque in the post. If you need our help... I went to speak to the man that runs this golf club. Email jvsshow at BBC. I'm just very pleased that you've got the money. And we could do the same for you. Thanks ever so much, Jonathan. The JVS Show on BBC Three Counties Radio. Follow at JVS Show on Twitter or follow me at Ian Lee. We've both just retweeted uh, the uh, angry Melvin call from yesterday. Did you hear it? It was it was brilliant. I have not laughed so much in my car. Oh, my. It was wonderful. Anyway, we both just retweeted it. So if you want to go and have a listen to that, then uh, at JVS Show or at Ian Lee. Now, the owners of Meppershaw Care Home say they are devastated by the decision to force its closure. And they say they should have been given the chance to correct deficiencies. The facility's right to operate was removed on Sunday afternoon in the wake of a damning report by the Care Quality Commission. This week, the families of 70 elderly residents are in the process of moving their loved ones into new homes. Well, we've been in touch with uh, with Beryl over the past few days to find out what's been happening with her and her husband. Um, And as you heard earlier on the show, her husband was moving to a new home yesterday. Good morning, Beryl. Good morning, Ian. Uh, How did yesterday go? But Archie was being moved into a new home. Did it go smoothly? The move to the home went absolutely brilliantly. Oh, fantastic. Absolutely brilliantly. Just as I had expected... He really wasn't aware of right. what was going on, and it was brilliant. So what, ha- what What time did it happen? What time did the ambulance come and take him? He wasn't moved until after lunch. OK. Uh, during the morning, as you can imagine, it was very, very chaotic. In what way chaotic? What was going on? Oh, well, of course, there were so many people there, Ian. So many people. And very distressing for the carers who were still trying to do their duties to the residents. But there were so many officials, um, as well as other nurses that had been brought in, that we didn't know, um, ambulance people. It was horrendous. Mm. Absolutely horrendous. And that was why I was really pleased when everything went really well. So he's moved to, uh, he's moved to a new home. Uh, what's his room like? Has he got a nice room? He's got a very, very nice room. Fantastic. It's just been completely refurbished. Oh, great. So, you know, we can only look forward now. Yeah. We've got to. And he was, he was pretty much unaware. He doesn't recognise that he's in a different place. No, in fact, I said to him during the morning whilst we were waiting, you're going on a little holiday, because I felt that was the best way to put it. Yeah. Um, he didn't really understand what I was saying. And, of course, within two minutes, he'd forgotten it. Mm. But he was totally unaware 
that he was in new surroundings. I'm hoping that continues. I'm going in this morning, and we'll see how he was overnight. Oh, it, 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 well, it, it sounds like, Beryl, out of the, the, the horrible stress that you've both had to endure over the past few weeks, it sounds like this might have quite a positive outcome. Of course, and that's what we're all looking towards. We can't do any other. No. What has happened has happened. We can't change that as much as we'd like to, but it's no good um, going on about it. We've now got to move forward. I still think the owners of the home have a lot to answer for, mm. and I think they've been very frugal with their responses. And if you can get the chief executive of Bedford Hospital on, then I don't see why somebody from the owner's company cannot speak to you. They don't want to talk to us, Beryl. They don't. They haven't got the guts to come on the air and put forward their... We're going to keep trying. Trust me, we'll keep trying, but they don't want to talk to us, which I think is shocking. Well, I think that is abysmal. And in actual fact, it really just says everything, doesn't it? Doesn't it it just? It shows no class, Beryl, at all, to not even come forward. Beryl, can I ask, how often do you visit your husband? It depends, Ian. Um, Obviously, I have to travel by car. I have to consider the costs involved. I also have to consider the upset. So I try to get in there at least once a week. Mm. um, Because otherwise I would go under. And I can't go under. Mm. You know, I have a family who obviously concern themselves about me. And it would be very unfair of them to see their mother suffering because of what's happening. Yeah. No, I just, I, I, it, it must be so hard for you to balance. Visit, I, I was just trying to work this, this out. Visiting your husband when he doesn't recognise you. So there's that, that, the upset of seeing him like that kind of weighed up with the upset of not seeing him at all. It must be such a, a, a fine line to, to strike. It is a fine line. It is a fine line. I think it depends upon you as a person. Um, you go through the upsetting stage... And then you really have to come to terms with it. Mm. Because once again, you can't change that. Um, it's awful when you look at them and you think of the person that they were, how brilliant they were, how clever. Um, but that's all gone. I saw, listen, I saw it happen. I'm, get, I'm getting all teary thinking of my granddad because I saw it happen to my granddad, Beryl. It's, it, it's heartbreaking to see that person slowly vanish. Listen. Best of luck. It sounds like things might actually work out for the best. You're through the stressful bit, so, th- you know, we'll keep our fingers crossed. Thank you so much. And can I thank everybody at Three Counties, yourself included, for the wonderful understanding that you have given, certainly to me, and obviously that extends to everybody else that's concerned. Beryl, it's, it's, so, it's so nice to talk to you. Best of luck. Thank you very much. We've got a statement from GA Projects Limited. Oh, it's made me go teary thinking of my granddad. Uh, Limited, who ran the care home, they said they were devastated by the decision by the CQC to enforce its closure. It added that while they acknowledged there were poor standards of care, they believe they should have been given the opportunity to correct these deficiencies. Well, we're giving you the opportunity, GA Projects Limited, to come on this radio show and tell us how you could have corrected those deficiencies and what you could have done differently. Because you're not looking very good right now. Is that unfair of us? Is that unfair that you're looking, you know, like you wimped out? When we ask you to come on, why don't you come on and put forward your side of the story? Honestly, 
because you look you, you couldn't look any worse than you do now last few minutes we've got uh, Wally Frail who lives in Sandy's in the process of trying to find suit- somewhere suitable for his mum morning Wally good morning but you're, you're trying to find a, a care home for your mum that's right yeah how's it going well, the, the places that are available are drying up. Um, there's two of us that visit my mum on a regular basis, my sister and myself, um, and we want Mepshaw was ideal because it was in between uh, Barton and Sandy. Mm. Um, so that was an ideal location for us. What's what's wrong with mum? Is, is it just elderly? Uh, Has she got dementia? She's got mild dementia. Right, OK. So she ne- she does need that, that extra protection, doesn't yes, she? If, yes. uh, um, and th- th- there are 70 people that now have to find a care home. I know because my mum moved into a home. It's difficult to find places, isn't it? Well, it was difficult three months ago when we, we went through the whole process yep. uh, and found somewhere we thought was good. Um, and we have no complaints about her treatment there. She's been looked after. They've been cared well. On the floor that we saw, we, we had no problems at all. So this all came as a, a bombshell to us when we heard about it on five o'clock on Friday afternoon, uh, Sunday afternoon to say it was closing down. And how did you find out? Did you get a phone call? Yeah, five o'clock fr- uh, Sunday afternoon, uh, oh. a care, uh, social worker phoned me up to say that the place was closing down this Friday and we've got to get out by Friday. What do you do now, Wally? Well, <laughs> after I put this phone down, I'm going around looking at more care homes, but there aren't that many f- spaces available that are in a convenient location. Mm. Um, otherwise, we're going to start travelling too far, and that, that means she won't get so many visits. And how does it work? Are you doing this independently? Are the council helping you? What's, what's the plan? There's a social worker allocated who has two um, people to look after. But as far as I'm concerned, all they're interested in is getting them out. Yeah. Um, that I was asked several times yesterday, shall I get somebody to assess your mum? I said, no, we're going to look at the site first, and then if we're happy with it, we'll get somebody in to come and assess them. Not assess them, because all they want to do is ship them out. That's yeah. their, their main priority. They don't really care where they're going. If it's going to cause problems for the family subsequently, they just want to wash their hands of the issue, get everybody out, and then, then they say, well, we've done our job. That's not the way the family looks at it. We want to make sure that... Uh, We've got somewhere that we think is suitable. I, I was given an address yesterday um, of a care home, and I went in there, and it was just the, the people with dementia, and more advanced dementia, and after a few minutes in there, I, I couldn't stand it, and I'm sure my mum couldn't stand it. So you, you just can't take the first one that's offered to you. You've got to in, uh, look at them and see what it's like. Well, listen, we're running out of time, and I know, I, I know exactly how difficult it can be, and I know the pressures that you're talking about that social workers can kind of put on you. Would you mind if we spoke to you on Friday's show to see to see how things are going and see if you found somewhere? Yeah. Okay. Would that be okay? Yeah. Best of luck. I hope okay. this week goes okay. Thanks. Thank you very much. It really is an absolute nightmare, isn't it? Wally Frow from Sandy. His mum's moving out of Mepishaw Care Home. She's got to be out by Friday. Oh, dearie, dearie me. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Adam. <laughs> travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Wheatumstead in the High Street, the B651. It's still shut because of the fire at the Swan Pub between Butterfield Road and East Lane. The A1 looking slow at the Black Cat Roundabout, as is the Barford Bypass, the A421. The A1M a bit slow from Hitchin to Stevenage, and then as you get in toward London, queues in Boreham Wood at round Stirling Corner on the A1. It's also slow then at Mill Hill Circus. The A10 looking a bit better through Chesant.
plenty of delays on the M25. Anti-clockwise is stop-start both ways through the roadworks. It's also slow from the M1 to the M40. The A41 in Aylesbury looking slow at the Woodlands Roundabout. Late and buzzard delays on Leston Road. Dunstable on the A5 looking slow past the A505. On the trains, Virgin, 15-minute delays. Milton Keynes to Euston because of safety checks at Watford. London Midland affected by this as well. Also 15-minute delays off through the West Midlands. Birmingham New Street to Coventry because of signalling problems. And further delays at Stoke-on-Trent now because a lorry has hit a bridge at the south end of the station. It's having to be inspected. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much indeed. Right, that's it. That's your lot from me. JVS is up next. Do you love or hate this hot weather? I hated it last night. I was naked in bed. I hate being naked in bed. Oh, dear. FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC's Three Counties Radio. Good Lord. What an image. Morning.